Hello? Hi, Dustin. What's up? Uh, I'm walking to the store again, but when I get there, I can't talk because I uh, have to be on speakerphone, you know? Oh, yeah. Are you able to talk for a little bit or not? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I uh, shut your episode from, uh, I guess it was the night before last. Yeah. Uh, That was a good show. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I was going to call that, uh, you know, I've been putting these like uh, two-letter words at the start of a podcast, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I even mentioned on there, <clears throat> I was thinking about calling it Blank Slate because, you know, we just showed up with virtually nothing. Started and out I, with nothing. That's usually I, the best shows. I know. I even said that, I think. But um, I told him that. He was kind of concerned about it. You know, I had nothing to talk about. I said, it doesn't matter. We just kind of talk a little bit, and then either you or I will ask each other a question. That's yeah. all it takes. Is a simple yeah. question we're offering. I was, I was actually, whenever y'all were talking about that, I was kind of pondering in, internally while I was listening if that's what kind of led by the spirit thing, if that has any relevance to something like that. Just like it just goes where it goes. Uh-huh. We think it's, there's no direction, but obviously there is because it always ends up good. But I thought that, uh, that uh, you know, it, I can't go into detail about the – I kind of did, but, I mean, I – I could do a whole show on that, talking about UFOs and aliens, because there's things I didn't talk about, like the nature of the grays, but I've talked about them before, but uh, I thought that was the best job I've ever done on that subject in one podcast, mm-hmm. uh, because everything I said is something that Chris's need to hear, and they're not hearing it. They're not hearing alternative opinions. There's, like, here in this part of the world, there's virtually, like, zero anything addressing anything but everybody it's funny because you you know these people and you know they go home and watch ancient aliens or something you know and that's like that's their what they that's their information they receive about the topic uh-huh. you know so just plant seeds of doubt like well maybe this is just the bible is just explaining the way ancient aliens explains it you know and it's it's really childish but i know there must be a lot of curses out there that believe uh, in aliens. They just believe what, you know, the media view. Uh, but the ones on the internet, they don't seem to believe that. They always seem to hold to that view that I mentioned, that they're spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely false. It's completely ludicrous. That's the uh, I, mean, I do. I do have to ask you, who was it that you were referring to that I think I know, but the whole... If you say the name of Jesus, <laughs> they, leave, they leave you alone or whatever. You made reference to somebody. Yeah. Was it Steve Quayle? No. I think his name is uh, – uh, his last name was Jordan. Jordan. Uh, he's an agent. Jordan. I um, think of who that would be. I think it might be Jim Jordan. I'm not sure about I'm the first name. I, I think both of the names start with a J, though. But um, you can put Jesus, name, aliens, Jordan. I'm sure he'll pop right up. Yeah, I, I do remember years and years and years ago hearing Steve Quayle on a Hagman show or something making making that claim. So I thought maybe that was a reference to him. I got to run another I run another check on Hagman and Hagman. Um, <clears throat> I haven't I, listened to it in years. I've never really listened to it, but. Uh, because uh, his son died. Are you serious? Yeah, they say of a heroin overdose. The one that was on the show with him? Yeah. 
Well, really? I, I, I asked about them before, and I can't remember. I think we were told they're agents. Really? You know, that's funny you say that, because I always thought that he seemed like he was, like, very lethargic sounding. Uh-huh. Like, he was struggling to be there. Uh, wow, I did not know that. Well, a lot of times the son is a throw-in because of the father. Let's take an example. Just yesterday, I was reading about R.C. Sproul Jr., mm-hmm. okay? I think that guy's name is Jim Jordan. Anyway, uh, R.C. Sproul Jr., so I, I, are you that familiar with R.C. Sproul? I've got a book of his. I haven't read it, though, called uh, something like Everyone's a Theologian or something. I got yeah. it like at a half-price bookstore for like $2. Mm-hmm. Well, he was one of the most trusted, uh, actually referred to as a theologian in the Reformed community. Mm-hmm. He was held in very high regard. Uh, his son screwed up way back in 2006, and he got defrocked. And uh, but recently he got a DUI. Really? Actually, had um, at least one minor in the car. I'm not sure if there was one or two. They were his own children. Wow. Not sure if there was. Yeah, the only thing I've ever seen of him, I think, was uh, might have been like a like a. It wasn't a debate. Um, It was like a kind of a back and forth discussion with him and uh, John MacArthur. (laughs) John MacArthur is an agent. Yeah, it was a YouTube deal once. I know that when, years you know, ago. when you, you know, if you're young and stuff, you listen to him and you're like, wow, he sounds really biblical. Well, they've got people out there like that. But now if you look at Bible prophecy, he just tells the line, right? He's just total dispensational, pre-tribulational propaganda. Yep. There's nothing remarkable at all. Yeah, I have read one of his books, he, and I think his kind of his shtick is he comes off, he, he looks, visually looks apart, and kind of speaks like he's the authority. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, he's, he's good on certain things like justification by faith. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I, I really liked, uh, I, I, you taught me some terminology. Uh, I didn't know the monergism and synergism. I rewound that and listened to it two or three times. When I didn't know that's what that was called. Well, I've um, about that over the years. Yeah, I, 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 under, I grasped the concept. I just didn't know the terminology uh, and the way that y'all, well, you kind of laid that out. It, it was like, oh, oh, there's words that for what, I mean, because I've always thought the exact same thing. Well, it's really important um, to understand, like I said, all of the Protestant reformers were monergists. Now, there's one exception, and that was uh, Melanchthon. He uh, was a monergist until Luther died. He was his right-hand man, okay? Then after Luther dies, he changes his opinion. I ran a check on that guy. He's an agent. I run two steps on him. So that's why he did that, see. Now, you got to remember, you know, if you're a significant major personality out there, ideally, even just to stroke their own ego and say, we did it. They always have these goals they want to accomplish. But ideally, they will try to send you a right-hand man. Yeah. And if you're so incredibly naive that you're not even looking for agents, it's not that hard to do. 
It may take time because you got to work up the rungs of the ladder. <laughs> okay, so setting him aside, all the Protestant reform. And remember, he just changed his mind. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he was at one time, but everybody else, all the Protestant reformers were monarchists. Okay, now today, I said this on the show too. Now, I'm just being safe here, but it's it's less clearly less than fifty percent of you know conservative Christians or professing Christians doesn't matter that are monarchists today. See, we are theologically liberal. Mm -hmm. You try to tell people that, they don't just look at you like, what? You know? mm -hmm. Every decade it gets worse. It doesn't, nothing's improving. You know, mm -hmm. Calvinism has been dumbed down. I'm not a Calvinist, never was, but um, everything's deteriorating theologically. Now, where do you like? Okay, that that was one question I had. Like, where's the where's the divide between monergism and Calvinism? I mean, like, because I, I I picked up what you were saying. Um, well, all Calvinists are, are all Calvinists are monergists. Uh, okay, so where does that split off when you say you're not a Cal? Like, I don't want to get into a big thing because I know that that's a, okay. I don't, that I has don't to know do with a ton a about subject. the subject. If you're an Augustinian. You're also always a monergist too. What, where it divides is the primary issue that people talk about. There's other issues too that has to do with the subject of whether you can lose your salvation or not. Okay, okay. And it's so incredibly dumbed down. I mean, you don't even hear an alternate position. There's, there's two alternate positions. This is how incredibly dumbed down it is, okay? Uh, one is called, uh, I mean, there's other ones, but basically... It's what's called Pelagianism. Now, this is how incredibly dumb down the church is. Most Christians are Pelagian, but you don't hear that word. They, most Christians never even heard that word, but that's what they believe. They think that they're Arminian, if they even... The most Christians are so dumb, they don't even know what... They never even hear that term. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. Now, it's... Um, we're talking about not professing Christians, but Christians are in a state of regeneration all around the world. They don't right. even use, see, in a, behind a pulpit, they don't even talk like that. They don't say Calvinism. They don't use any kind of theological terminology at all, anything, really. You know what I mean? Right. They may not even say dispensationalism. They'll just talk about, this is how dumbed down it is. They, they don't even talk about Bible prophecy that much, but if they do, they'll just talk about the rapture, but a lot of pastors who are pre-trib, they don't even teach it behind the pulpit. You have to ask their view because they don't teach Bible prophecy. For instance, um, I, I always tell people to find a church locally, okay? Because I have mm -hmm. more knowledge of the local area. And so I sent my mother, my best friend, and this other girl that I met back in 1997 called Diane, she was highly dysfunctional, to this um, Reformed church, okay? So my mother went there until she passed away. And my friend went there for a long time. I don't even know how long. And uh, you know something? This is the truth. They never talked about Bible prophecy one time that he ever remembered. The only time they talked about prophecy at all during the course of the year, which is not really prophecy, is when they would talk about 
the prophecies that have to do with the birth of Christ, which obviously are all already fulfilled. They don't even talk about any kind of prophecy. You see that? Mm-hmm. You'd be mm-hmm. sure if you know how many churches do that. That's how dumbed down it is. So I was saying on the show that you, you know you don't. They don't teach you in church. They don't even have enough time. You know, there's no yeah. time. Okay. Yeah, that's, I, I can vouch for that growing up. I mean, like every time the doors were open, five, it, it was always kind of unspoken but implied. If you, want to come, if you want to hear the good stuff, come on Sunday night and Wednesday night, you know. But it was just, essentially, it was always more of the same. It wasn't anything like anything different. It was just basically... Uh, expounding on what the Sunday morning sermon was, you know, about how to treat your wife and just stuff like that, just common sense stuff. There's no depth. By the way, except for me uh, talking about uh, the agents, uh, we're currently doing a Room 2 podcast. And before I left, I was thinking, uh, why can't Dustin and I just do a Room 2 podcast? It would be so easy, and all of a sudden I realized... Uh, the problem is it would probably end up in room one because it'd be too good. <laughs> but if well, I start talking about agents and stuff like that, naming them, um, I would I wouldn't feel comfortable putting them in room one. <clears throat> oh oh, speaking that this kind of on that line, they they uh, what what day was that? It was well, it was before you released like this last batch of uh, podcasts, and I was scraping the bottom of the barrel. And I kind of got a weird feeling about the guy, but I don't know if you came across him. Do you, have you listened to any of Dyer's stuff lately? <laughs> I was going to talk to you. About I, I hadn't. I just dipped my toe back in because, like I said, I was out of I was out of podcasts to listen to, like working out and stuff. And he had this guy on. He claims he's an actor, but I've never heard him named Benny Wills or Willis. Okay. You know, did you you heard that? Never. Heard and it was kind of one of those things where, you know, you just, I'm, I'm sure you do the same thing where, like, you haven't listened to somebody for a while and you just, I wonder what they're up to, so you listen to an episode or something. And the one I, the one I happened to listen to, um, he has this guy on there and he's, like, kind of touting it up like he's this big Hollywood actor or something, but I'd never heard of him. He, I don't know. It wasn't all that interesting, but what was interesting to me is this guy claims he's, like, seeking the truth and, you know, it keeps leading him back to the Bible and Jesus and stuff and this and that. And the dire, like, it's, he's like a shark that smells blood in the water. And he just got, starts telling you about the Eastern North. And it turns into this proselytization of the Eastern Orthodox. And Dyer's like, you need to read, you know, Irenaeus. And all, he starts listing off all this <laughs> church fathers. Uh, no, you don't that, need to read that, any that, that knows nothing to, to, start, to start reading. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I'm kind of skeptical of the guy that he had on there to begin with. Um, no, you don't have to read any of that. It's largely a waste of time. It's just, I don't know. It's just funny that like he, like he just, it, it's like it turns into church father worship is what it comes off to me. Well, that's as. the way they, not, that's their attitude in the Eastern church. So you have to be familiar with that because to a Protestant, it will, that's the way it will sound. Is it just like a reverence thing, or is it? Or am it's I, am I like reading that. it wrong? Uh, um, I would I would stop say, short of saying that they kind of uh, adulate or adore them, but some of them actually do. They hold them in very high regard. Okay. Okay. And, the, and uh, like he he taught he kind of comes off sounding like the apostolic succession thing is like ongoing. Is uh, apostolic any way to- succession is one hundred percent unprovable. 
Okay, what that's what I was going to say. That, that's what I was about to ask is how do you prove this? <laughs> well, you're trusting history. Uh, Jay Dyer trusts okay. history. Okay. okay. He's a very moderate conspiracy theorist, very moderate. Okay. Uh, he doesn't have any problems with uh, historical dates. He just reels them off. He got them right out of a book. He trusts the books, you see. But you have to understand, like I said before, curses are the enemy of generational faith. We're the target. Mm -hmm. So what Christians don't even think about or talk about this as a general rule, the great majority of them, but obviously they're going to try to infiltrate. We know that, okay? Mm -hmm. So they're going to have these actors posing as Christian authorities. Right. Can Jay Dyer identify one of them? Yeah. Um, okay, this is what see. I'm going to do. I'm going to claim that one of the church fathers, you know, like Jerome, which would explain why he mistranslated the text deliberately mm -hmm. uh, and, and corrupted it. It's not even the proper name. It was translated as Lucifer. I'm going to claim that was diabolical. Hmm. Okay. Uh, but can we please be suspicious that you know, at least one of them? No. Because this is what happens when you elevate them, put them on a pedestal. It actually blinds you. Okay. Well, see, in, the, in like recent history, like with, you know, Soviet Russia, let's just go with Soviet Russia and the Eastern Church there. Like, I would, I would think common sense would tell you that anybody that was legitimate probably ended up dead. Well, yeah, I mean, if you have a church council as a Christian, how are you even going to get on there? You, you have... <laughs> It's like a reverse refining process or something like uh like I, I i don't know about a month and a half or two ago i read the gulag archipelago and it's basically just like an insider's view on what soviet russia was like from the 40s to you know early 80s pretty much and uh the the, the clergy or whatever they were basically sent off to gulags like everybody else unless I mean, that's one of those comments is to tell you things, unless you're playing ball, and then you get to keep your, your title, yeah. keep your spot. It's important to understand that Jay Dyer believes that, I heard him say this, okay, that the seven ecumenical councils were infallible. Mm. You ever heard him say that? I, have, I mean, I'm, I haven't listened to all of his stuff, okay. but that doesn't surprise me. Well, it's virtually 100% impossible to prove that any of them even existed. Now, I'm not claiming that any of them didn't exist. You see, the value of that is you've got to step back and look at yourself and ask yourself one question. Who are you trusting for this information? Okay? Yeah. Because you're trusting somebody. And uh, you don't know the integrity of the source. It's, it's too far back in history. Mm -hmm. Now... I'm still waiting. I can maybe ask you. I'm speaking theologically. Um, where does Jay Dyer disagree with Eastern Orthodoxy at any significant level? As far as they're uh, I've, never heard, I've never heard him very no. frank on that ever. No, just like I said, he's holding down the fort. Yeah. See? He switched. He used to be Reformed Baptist. Then he became enlightened and uh, aligned himself with a uh, 
a branch of uh, Roman Catholicism that's, you know, conservative. Mm -hmm. And they're basically anti-Pope. Anti-what? Uh, well, they think that the Pope is an imposter. Oh, anti-Pope. Oh, okay. I didn't Which is a, that's, that's a good thing, right? Right. No, he's corrupt, you know. Right. Um, I can't pronounce the word perfectly right now. I haven't spoken in a while, so I'm not even going to try. It starts with an S. I, may be, I just don't want to pronounce it. Unless I can pronounce it properly. It's not important. Okay, man, if you listen to his older podcast, I mean, he was pounding the table about that. Okay. Hmm. This is why he gets criticized because, you know, how do we know he's not going to abandon Eastern Orthodoxy and then go on to something else? And, you know, this is the right. thing. But before, he was believing, you know, whatever they said in that movement. Mm -hmm. Then he abandoned it. Now he embraced this. So I don't think he has enough time to critique the theological system because it's not happening. Mm -hmm. Okay. What happens is that, you know, I'd say, for instance, the last group that he identified with, if you're defending, 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 and then you start doing, uh, recognizing that there's errors, the general tendency is to not come out and, and make a podcast and talk about it. Right. All of a sudden you get this notification, it's kind of shocking. Well, I don't believe this anymore. And the reason they don't critique it because you've been defending it the whole time. Okay? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you go, well, I, I've, I've made a big change. And I've uh, converted the Eastern Orthodox. And I was going, ooh, ah, wow, it's incredible, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, so now we uh, defend that across the board. But he's not going to um, make any significant changes in Christology. See, that is, a, like I said, it's a sacred cow. You don't tamper with it because they believe it fell from heaven, basically. 100% approvable. You know? Yeah, his, uh, you know, it's funny. Like, it's like his, uh, he latches on to something until his zeal wears off and he goes and finds the next, you know, next thing to be zealous about. Uh, well, if I was to ask him one question, can you point out any uh, theoretically existent potential theological propaganda in Eastern Orthodoxy? I never thought about it. He thinks it's all been perfectly preserved. See, that's the mentality. So I've yeah. thought this all through the years. I mean, you join a group, and this is the right group um, because I'm here. Because God led me here. So what you do, you attack, 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 everything else, and defend the fort. Ask yourself this question. Is that what he's doing? He wants to debate everybody else? Yeah. And yeah, defend Eastern Orthodoxy. Well, that's, that's anybody can do that. Mm -hmm. He's not making any changes at all. He's embracing yeah. the belief system, you see. And obviously, he emotionally identifies with that belief system. Obviously. You can't deny yeah. that. Okay. And, and, and he does have a lust for um, just winning an argument, even if, he's, even if he has a, the wrong position, just, you know, just by, you know, word crap, like, you know, head smart, wordy. Uh, just to win an argument, like, you know, like, it'd be like kind of like defending a murderer and winning the case. Do you feel good about yourself? You know, I wouldn't, <laughs> you know, uh, but that's, that's, he, he sort of gets off on just strong arming arguments, whether he's right or wrong. 
Well, if you're familiar with Jay Dyer, what he's doing, he's taking the things that he learned in university mm-hmm. and um, communicating them in a podcast. That's what his podcast is. He plays with his mm-hmm. strengths. Okay. Um, does he talk about Bible prophecy that much? No, I've, I don't even think I've ever heard him. A l- no, subject. a little bit. Okay. okay, I haven't heard it then. Huh. I, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, he, he, um, he, I don't know. He just kind of comes off to me as one of those types that uh, wants to come into the room and establish his dominance that I'm the smartest in the room. No. Even if I'm wrong, I'm still the smartest. Um, and it's kind of unbecoming, I guess. Um, because he, like, if, if he, if he does, I, I've noticed this in the very few debates that I've, I've listened to of his, that whenever he kind of gets his feet held to the fire, that's when the name calling and the cussing and, well, you know, you're retarded. And, it, it, um, once you drop the F-bomb, especially when you start getting frustrated, mm-hmm. there are no scholars that do that. No, that's a sign of weakness. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's the point of how bad this is, okay? Yeah. Are we aware of any American pastors that do that in public? Uh, not in no. public. I mean, I uh, know of. You ready for the next level? Yeah. Are there any American pastors that they are not even Christians, but they're liberals? You know, like uh, <clears throat> United Methodist Church. They could be Presbyterian USA, which is a mixture of good and bad. Mm-hmm. But see, even the liberals who are not even believers, they don't talk that way. Yeah. Uh, but he does. Another thing. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, everybody has like a certain level of decorum at least. Yeah. So I'm listening to this super boring podcast of his where he's talking about this new film came out this year called Midsomar. Yeah, what's up? I, mean, I meant, wanted to ask you about that, but not about whatever he said about it. That's uh, The trailer is about the creepiest thing I've ever seen. Well, it, it looks like a semi-remake of uh, The Wicker Man, 1973. I never saw that. Nicholas okay. Cage uh, did a remake. I, I liked it. The critics bash it, but uh, I liked it. Mm. In fact, I was watching both of them at the same time. And uh, I didn't get through the 1973 one, but I, I, I've watched it all the way through. And um, what he was doing on what? there is disrespecting his elders over and over again. You know, I've never heard anybody do this before. But if you do this kind of thing, please don't profess the name of Christ. What he was doing, mm-hmm. like I said, I've never heard this before. He was making fun of uh, baby boomers. Yeah, that's yeah. That's that's about the time I quit. Was that was his like um, that was his new calling was making fun of boomers. Yeah. Well, at first I didn't know what he's talking about. I'm going, is he really talking about? He kept saying boomer, mm. and I'm going, is he talking about baby boomers? And after a while, it became clear that he was. Was any of it funny? No, not even remotely funny. So guess what I did? You just brought up this subject spontaneously, Jay Dyer. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about it. But um, I wrote down a podcast for you to listen to. I, apparently, you might have listened to it. He's got two podcasts. Where he's come out mid-somewhere. 
But the one I'm talking about is where he's uh, com- he's talking about uh, Stranger Things, Midsommar, in 1973, Wicker Man. Okay. So I discovered something I didn't know before. He said on that podcast that he wanted to be a comedian when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Well, this explains why he's got this little routine. Now, you said, you told me that you've never thought that he was funny. No. I never have either. So I was listening to this because I thought it would be interesting. And it took him a very long time to get around to, I never even got to the point where he was talk, started really breaking anything down. But he just, he, I guess you could say crack jokes. Uh-huh. It's, it's the worst thing I've ever heard. It's the worst. It's like, it's like there's so much effort in it that it, like with his stuff, there's so much effort behind it. It just falls flat on its face every time. Like it's like you're trying way too hard, but like uh, it's like he needs laugh tracks or something. Sometimes the only on some of the reason stuff. I kept listening to it is normally I would turn it off. Uh, to hear how how bad it is, because it was like... Well, I'm really, glad you said that, because really I thought bad. maybe I just don't have a sense of humor, because <laughs> I just never have found him funny. He does a pretty good Nicolas Cage impersonation, and that's about it. Well, I think, I mean, I'm going to be accurate. I, I think his uh, impersonations are good. I just don't think they're funny. I'm, it's kind of hard to make me laugh. I've said that in the show. Yeah, I, that. No, I don't mean it's funny when he does it. But like audibly, that's pretty. That's pretty good. But like okay, so, parrot, you can do that with the parrot. But you know, it's okay if you don't make me laugh. I'm just one person. Yeah. But hopefully, someone has told him. You know, uh, at some point, that you know, this is not funny. Maybe be close friend, but maybe nobody ever has. Well, you'll have to like. It, I, like I don't. Like I said, I don't listen often it's like when i'm only when i'm out of other podcasts do i do i have like have to go there but the next time he talks about the boomer subject he always will like kind of toss out there especially when he's with other people he'll always toss out there you know i'm the one that started the boomer meme and like he's taking credit for like being the first one that started making fun of boomers, I guess, or started a meme online about boomers. And I, I really don't know. Uh, let's get something straight here, okay? I'm a devolutionist, right? So you heard me say uh, that every decade, things are categorically inferior right down the line. Mm-hmm. You can just pick whatever you want to pick, except for development of technology. Mm-hmm. which is accelerating devolution, so that we're not even going to count that. Anything that relates directly to humans is deteriorating because the humans themselves, okay? Now, I've looked at these um, qualities, these are positive qualities of per generation, and they have good qualities, okay? But I'm t- speaking overall, each generation, upcoming generation, is inferior to the one before, if you can't see that, you're you're completely blind. Mm-hmm. So why? No, I mean, yeah, it is. It's how you ended up with the like, thirty-year-olds that live at home, I guess. Another important point: Why would you make a career out of um, <clears throat> deconstructing mind control media? Mm-hmm. Because um, I, 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 uh, you've heard me say in the show, <clears throat> and obviously I believe in the middle position. But, I mean, I hung out with uh, Wesleyans who believed it was sinful to even have a television in your home. Yeah, I heard you now, say that. Now, here's the view that I hold to. I believe that it's sinful for some people. 
that television could lead you straight to hell if you're not strong enough to resist it. And be careful with your programming. <laughs> That's kind of right. Here. So it's like the whole moderation but conversation. But able to do that. Yeah. You call it the Britney Spears principle. This is actually what they did way back in the 1950s, okay? Remember, you got to ask yourself, get back to the basics. Who's the enemy? Christians. Mm-hmm. How do you illustrate that? Who do you, what's, what do you think Satan's opinion is? Okay, now we got it. Christians. Do you think television had, may have had something to do with Christians back in the 1950s? Of course it did. You've heard me talk about this. Mm-hmm. That's why they tried to make it look so patriotic and conservative. You know, mm-hmm. that was too, um, this is the way the devil works. Yeah, it was introduced as something everybody would sit down and, and enjoy together. And then it started splitting off to like age groups and yeah. like the programming. So this age, and then it divided everybody. And then, it, then every room ended up with the TV in it, you know. That's what they're going to do. They're going to seduce you and then they're going to hook you. Yeah. Let's say like, uh, you know, Game of Thrones, you know. Um, there's Christians all across America. They got hooked on that show. Then they started rolling out all this nudity and pornography, and they couldn't, they, they're too weak to stop watching. Now, they should have stopped watching, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've said before, you know, how would you deal with this if you were sitting on a couch with Jesus? Would you watch these things? Yeah. It's like they can't get convicted, but all of a sudden they realize, okay, you're, you're right. Jesus wouldn't want me to watch that. Well, you know, if Jesus sitting next to uh, Jay Dyer while he's doing his podcast, you think he would want to sp- him to spend all this time breaking down these um, <clears throat> secular films, which he admits is mind control or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> what do you think is the answer? Yeah. It's obvious. Yeah. Okay, so he, he doesn't have. Um, conservative Christian ethics. That's a fact. There's no way to prove that wrong. He goes on these... Does he turn any shows down? I'm talking... I, about I don't no. think so. I've, I've want, often wondered how he's got the time to be... to do so much, like so many shows. Well, I just came... You know, I wasn't searching for anything. I just came across something randomly. It was yesterday, and this guy was criticizing him up and down because he uh, promotes himself. He'll go on any anybody's show. Yeah. Now, let me, let me compare him with Michael Heiser, okay? Mm-hmm. Michael Heiser will basically go on anybody's show. I, I know one single time when he refused to go, and that was um, <clears throat> Jim Baker's show. And the reason he refused oh, really? is because they referred to as something like a gathering of prophets or something like that, and he says, I don't want to be involved with that. I don't refer to myself as a prophet. So he, he refused to go on the show, okay? Hmm. Now, this is not a critique of Michael Heiser. No, yeah. Michael Heiser has a... He's got his own unique attitude. He will go on a New Age show. I know because I've listened to the podcast, okay? And he has a... apologetic or a reason why he does that. It's to get the, um, the information out. I was going to say, was, what, was he... Am I not remembering correctly was he on the higher side once i don't know i, I can't i kind of remember a couple of years ago he was on that the higher side chat podcast but maybe not well if he did then carl greg carl would made an exception 
Because I know for a fact, because I ran across this randomly on the Internet, too, because somebody said this, okay? He may not have been. Don't quote me on that, but I kind yeah. of vaguely. I don't know. But he will not allow anybody on his show if they uh, actually believe in Jesus. Hmm. That's what this guy said. Now, if you look at his podcast, yeah, there's nothing yet as Christian at all. If Heiser was on, there would be an exception. This guy didn't know about. I don't know, so we don't really want to talk about it. But anyway, that's Michael Heiser. But he does not go on the show where people are cussing and stuff like that. You see that? Mm-hmm. So he must be turning something somebody down because when you go on his show, I here's the thing. Okay? People respect Michael Heiser. It's like you come on the show, and can we ever have Michael Heiser come on the show? Well, they don't have to introduce him as Dr. Michael Heiser. Has that ever happened? I've never heard it. Okay, when you have like a, <clears throat> this scholar, people act differently. They don't use cuss words. You see that? Mm-hmm. So he's basically got it made. But yes. when but uh, the uh, Jay Dyer type routine, apparently, I'm just assuming people do not respect you enough to not drop F-bombs. So tonight, before I walked to the store, and this is random too. I noticed that he was on. He's on the boiler room live. Mm-hmm. Well, those guys will use any old word on there, any cuss word. Mm-hmm. Okay, anything goes. Does he, does he yeah, have any? I've, kind I've of heard problem? some of those. They get no pretty raunchy. He has no problem with this, right? Yeah. No, he jumps right in with it. No, I saw him in a debate. I already told you before. But he got frustrated with this guy, and he lost control, and he started dropping F-bombs and all kinds of other cuss words, okay? And uh, so what, what do you do with something like that? Well, it's kind of bad if you bleep it out because you know that he was cussing. So um, you just go, be screwed up, and I don't want to upload. I don't like that public. Is that what he did? No, he uploaded it. He's proud of it. He has no problem. Okay, what does that tell you? about his ethical beliefs. He wants to philosophize about ethics, right? Mm-hmm. Does he practice them? You uh, tell me? Arbitrarily, I guess you could say it best. Well, it's hit and miss, right? Yeah. But it's hit and miss for everybody. Yeah. That, that just reminded me of where I was going with earlier when you, when you brought that uh, when you brought that up about um, he, that Carlwood and the what is the name of the show? I just went like higher side chats. So that guy that was on Dyer's podcast, that whatever he's like a, I don't even know what level of actor I would classify the guy as because I've never even heard of him. I wasn't even really that familiar with anything that he'd ever been in. So he he in that podcast he says that later on that same day he was going to be on somebody named KJ. Are you familiar with that KJ? Maybe that is. Okay. Well, I thought. Well, I'd like to hear what this guy has to say. If this guy's an actor and like here, if he can keep it up or what. And so I found that podcast that he went on later, and that guy KJ was just recently a guest on Carl Woods' show, okay. which is this whole network of be a guest on mine, I'll be a guest on your, you know, and you end up listening to the same podcast like six times when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, that KJ, I guess, has a YouTube channel that's pretty popular. It's got like, I don't know, a million subscribers, something called Scariest Show Ever or something like that, or Scariest um, 
scariest movie ever, maybe? Oh, well, I, I subscribe to that. It's kind of funny because um, people mention all these different YouTube channels, and I go, I'll have to check that out. And then I go there, I'm already subscribed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which I've no, I wasn't familiar with it at all. But uh, that guy, he, he he didn't sound, you know, terribly bad. Um, he wasn't trying to do, like, he, he's basically, his approach, and like I said, I know this from listening to one podcast, he does kind of the same thing that Dyer does, but it's more maybe like visual, like movie clips and stuff like that or something. I, don't, I really don't know because I've never watched it. It just kind of came off sounding that way. Um, but he, you know, kind of talked about how, it, like, when he first started, well, I don't know. I probably shouldn't even go there because this guy comes from Hollywood also. Uh-huh. This KJ or whatever has a big YouTube channel. And he claims he walked away from Hollywood because it's just the cesspool or whatever. And anyway, he basically, at the very least, he says, you know, this is this is all really depressing, and it's what led me to Jesus. You know, there's got to be hope out there, you know, and ultimately it led to Jesus, which, you know, I hope that's the case. Um, uh, typically it's not. It's, yeah. It's for public consumption, it's more apt. Well, they, have see, do, that's, they have to have Christians in Hollywood. They do that for the Christians. So I don't know anything, but the, most of them, in other words, over 50% of them, it's fake. But stop yeah. it. Don't you think it would be that way? You know, somebody will go, uh, how can you prove that? Well, it's basic common sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of them would be fake. The deceive mm-hmm. who? The Christians, as usual. Of course. And then, oh, then, it, man, it's, it's a, some weird occurrences. Because, like I said, I've got, I, I don't know, they've got like 12 podcasts that I have that I refresh daily. But really, it's it's mainly like, you you just, your jaw would drop if you saw how giddy I, giddy I get in the morning when I refresh and there's a one of your podcasts. <laughs> it's just like it's a week maker. Uh, but, so I'll just have to download some fluff, too, to just have some type of, content uh in when 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 your show's not up but um there was one oh what was it oh oh the higher side again and so i i went this was like maybe a week or so ago a week and a half maybe uh-huh. and i go walking and i just play the next episode and he like sounds like he's about to cry and this and that i'm like what the heck is this and it was that lady that died oh tracy and then yeah, yeah, and I then I was like, I don't know who this is. I don't even know what this is about. And he's talking about this video she released and yeah. all this stuff. And then lo and behold, it's like the next day you uploaded that whatever, the Clyde Lewis show. And any, anyway, I, I had no idea who she was or anything like that. It was just some weird. Uh, Tracy Twyman is an excellent example about how basically everybody out there has major significant problems, which to tell you the truth is why I don't feel comfortable interviewing these people. I've said around the show, I thought about interviewing her over and over again. I mentioned the problem with her and uh, sure enough, I'm listening to this um, Freeman fly podcast. He's talking to Tracy. I guess he's got two different titles for the show because I've watched it. I've seen two different titles. I listened to it. After I uploaded that, well, let me back up a little bit. Let's talk about Clyde Lewis. 
I don't want to criticize him, but I got to say something, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, we got problems. I just, what I just said, there's significant problems with everybody. So I was listening to the, um, you know, the show that Clyde dedicated. The to, tribute show? Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, wow, this is like the best podcast I've listened to in quite a while. I got really excited. I go, I need to get this up on my show because I've done this. It's quite rare when I do this, okay? I had Alex Jones talking one time. Yeah, I remember that. Just so he could destroy himself with his own tongue, which he did. Yeah, that, that was a 99 deal, wasn't it? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, you can do that. I mean, uh, people actually, most of them don't mind. And uh, so then I went out to, um, well, I, I went out and about for like hours and hours and did a bunch of stuff. Did some exercise and did some shopping. Walked this big hill. It's really, really long. And uh, so I was listening to that. I kept listening to it. And all of a sudden, I'm going, oh, my God. He's got this psychic on there, you see. Would I ever do that mm-hmm. on my show? You know that I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And she was basically channeling, channeling apparently, Tracy Climate, but she didn't do it live on the show. She already had the information. Wait, this has been since she's died? Yeah. Oh, wow. And so... um. And the thing she was saying, up to a point, they sounded, they had like a ring of truth to them. You know, what actually happened to her when she died. Mm. She, it, she said that she was betray- betrayed by a, a close friend. Okay. Mm. And guess what? We got our own revelation on all that. I don't know if I want to talk about it on the show, but, uh, you know, I'm going to do that kind of, kind of thing because I'm curious. Well, I'll just reveal this. That that was true. Mm. Um, I asked through Chuck, but Chuck was basically told, it's not, he kind of said, um, I'll tell you exactly what he was told. These are the exact words. He, this is what he was told. He, word for word, he said, you could say that. That's not a strong yes, but it is a yes, but it's not a strong yes. It's kind of like, you could say that. That's what he used to go word for word. Okay. But then she started talking about Tracy is still doing her research uh, where she's at now. She hasn't left yet, and she's still doing her work. Come on, man. Mm. What kind of a Christian is going to believe that? Uh, I don't know. And she also said that Tracy wanted to come back. So there you have your reincarnation. <clears throat> Which I believe in a very, very limited degree, obviously. It's been through right. before many times. On a percentage basis, it's extremely unlikely. There's only a few people that inc- incarnate again. Yeah. I and the only reason they do yeah. is because they have an elite angel that they're paired mm-hmm. with. And you never, I've never heard that before. Well, here you go. Now you heard it, you know. <laughs> uh, let me say something about uh, cussing, swearing, and respect. So um, the last guy that I had on, you know, Joel, yeah, he basically lost the faith, okay? And I was going to say while you're talking there that I don't really have a problem with having people on the show of different faiths. You'll actually see that here because he's the one that I said, that I texted you that I said, you know, he seems correctable like he's, you know, at the very least correctable. He's open to, to hear. Uh-huh. Is that that is that Joel? That him and the Pakistani guy are friends somehow? Uh, no, that, I wasn't talking about Joel. 
Oh, 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 okay. Joel is just a natural talker. The other shows that uh, he's been on there, he's just, I actually said it on the air, he's one of these, about five or six natural podcasters, but he's just a talker. Oh, wait, this is yeah, this is the one that I listened to today. That's Joel. And then Open Think got yeah, on that the second half. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm thinking of the, the new kid. I forgot his name. Um, the, the younger uh, Joshua. kid. Joshua. Joshua, Joshua. I was thinking, I got those confused. Never okay. mind, I'm sorry. Well, when I was going to have Joe on, I made, a, I made a mental point of telling him, and I've told people this before, you know, when you come on this show, you can't use any cuss words. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they will screw up. And, they'll, and now when people do it on my show, they typically apologize. Mm-hmm. But even more so, they don't cuss at all. Yeah. Okay. So I know what Joe was like in, in real life. Because I've talked to him on the phone. Okay? Mm-hmm. You know how many cuss words he used on that show? I, I, I forgot to tell him. None. I was going to say, that was, uh, like, that surprises me that you say that, because he didn't come off that way in that podcast at all. Okay, now why did he do that? Uh, one word. Respect. Respect, I guess. Yeah. Respect. People cuss yeah. up a storm. They come on my show. Most of them, I don't say anything. They don't cuss on my show. Why? Respect? How can yeah. you respect Jay Dyer? Because um, they already know that he uh, is not real concerned about that. Is there any way out of this? I mean, this is really simple stuff, okay? Yeah. Really simple. If you want to have a Christian ministry, but he doesn't even use that word. I've never heard that. I don't think he talks. I don't know if he even thinks he has a ministry. Maybe he does, but you can't have a ministry. You're supposed to, your ministry is to glorify God, not yourself. You can't mm-hmm. a, a, a Christian ministry and use these cuss words or show up on a show where they're doing this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't do it. How, how do we know? Well, he, he is a self-promoter, not, too. Liberal pastors are doing this. Now, you know, the liberal pastors, don't, don't be fooled. In their real life, they probably do. Mm-hmm. But in public, look at, show me some pastor in America... It's on a payroll and cusses. I've never heard of anybody. I think if I have, I forgot them. There's a good chance there's somebody out there. I think there is. I just can't remember them. You know what I mean? So there you go. Yeah. Well, he he is a, he is like he's a self promoter uh, and a, I, I he has these little things he does where he kind of. Early on, even it irked me a little bit. Like uh, when he starts a stream or something, it's like, oh, we got six hundred forty-two nerds in the oh, yeah in the chat room, and like he's listing out numbers and downloads, and it's like, man, you like how much of this is like a numbers game to you? Uh huh. Um, sold this many books and went to England, and you know, it's like really back off, dude. Well, just uh, for review, I've never said it exactly the way I'm going to say it right now, but um, I was told way back in 1995 that I was going to be a public figure. And uh, then God sent... Uh, these were people that were sent to me by, by God. Mm-hmm. And when I w- heard this first, I mean, I had no details. I didn't really... I knew it was going to be something pretty big because I could feel it. Mm-hmm. Remember one time I was talking to my mom in the car. I was a very young Christian. I just broke down and crying. Because I said, Mom, you don't realize there's, God's going to do something big. And every year it gets bigger and bigger, but it hasn't happened yet. Okay, so um, 
I'm a public figure. Surprise, surprise. But I deliberately de-promote the show, and I've said before why I do that, because I don't have to promote it, because God's going to promote it, and he's not doing it. Um, it's pretty obvious he's hiding me and bringing people, mm-hmm. to, literally hiding. Yeah. The word hide, hiding. And he's pee- bringing people there, uh, you know, individual by individual, uh, they get through these algorithms, because I'm hidden on the Internet. Mm-hmm. I know for, I, the more I look... The more I notice it, it's obvious that they're they're hiding me. And so, <clears throat> you want to think of a two stage type thing, okay? I'm already a public figure, but the reason I do what I do and the things that I the things that I don't do is because when the st- second stage arrives, I, I'm going to be criticized up and down. And there's some of it's legitimate. You know, Brian Stavely came on my show way back in 2012 talking about 9/11. And he said, gee, damn it. And uh, immediately apologized, okay? There you go. See, because he just, uh, that's the way he talks in real life, okay? Uh, But I never edited that out, okay? Well, now the podcast is gone. I mean, it's still out there on Podbean, but uh, it's not of your concern. But that should have been edited out, but I I just never... I didn't know where the timestamp was, and it was a very long show. I never got around to doing it. And besides, I didn't do any editing anyway. Yeah. So it never got edited. I still remember things like that. Back, a single cuss word from 2012, I didn't do it. Yeah, but still, though, I mean, that's not your doing. Like, (laughs) I mean. Okay, the reason I don't allow these things is because of this scrutiny. It's going to come. Yeah. I mean, I can see it causing a thing, but it's like I said, who's going to pin that on you? I've come right out and said this, but as far as I know, uh, my quote-unquote ministry, which really has not even begun yet, is going to happen around the time of the beginning of the tribulation period. That's what I've been tra- I've been training. Hey, I, let me ask you something. You're, just a you're second. Let me say one more thing. The number one, when, the number one reason I'm doing podcasts at all is to pay the rent. So I, like, I can't take like a three-month break or... There's all kinds of people, they, they, they podcast for three years and then they take a break and they come back. I can't do that. So I got to keep, I got to keep doing this. You know what I mean? I think it's, I think it's probably also, I think it's, um, it's, well, you used the word timestamp a while ago. I think eventually this stuff's going to be made known and it's going to be timestamped that, yeah, I was talking about this way back. <laughs> oh, I, I, I've said that they're going to make a comedy, uh, uh, a podcast with me. Well, they'll take. So they've done this with Alex Jones. You know, he's an agent on a payroll. But they, they they'll take little snippets of everything you've said. There's plenty of stuff out there for them to do that. I, I expect them to do that. They'll have a laugh track. Well, are you you know? like taking something out of context. Well, yeah. When you when you don't hear the full context, I'm not yeah. really talking about that. But some of it will be that kind of thing, and people will like freak. They go, "What? You know, yeah. it's not nearly as bad, or not bad at all. If you hear the context, you're not going to get the context." I, I, right. The reason I brought up Alex Jones because uh, it was a good example of this, because it was done with him, and it was just it was it was really, really bad. But they were taking him out of context mm-hmm. repeatedly. See, you can do this with anybody, but with yeah. me, there's been enough things that are said over the show. People can't even talk understand what I'm talking about when I am t- talking about in context, so they're going to completely misunderstand it. So mm-hmm. that I expect that to happen. Anyway, what were you going to say before I wanted to get that? I was just asking what year your 
mountaintop experience took place. Your mystical. Uh, oh, this is know. just um. Or if you, if God, you don't want to tell me, that's fine. You don't have to. You talking about God? Talking about the, there was a one when I was on top of a mountain. Are you? That yeah. Mountain? Okay, that when God. Yeah. Re- God didn't tell me I was a prophet. He reminded me that I was a prophet. The one you've mentioned it before where he asked you if you were willing to suffer. Oh, that wasn't a mountaintop. Uh, oh, okay. I thought that was. Well, I did climb a mountain the next day, but um, I was... um. I used to go hiking in the dark. I was pretty hardcore. And... um, But I went up there with my brother, and he decided to stay... Uh, in the car and sleep or whatever the heck or wherever he slept. And I decided to go off and hike in the dark. And I told him where I would stop. And it was a branch in the river, Dozy Wallops River up in the Olympic Peninsula. And um, when I woke up in the morning, I had this mystical experience or, you know, you don't like the word mystical? Okay. Experience. No, I don't have a problem with it. No, I'm talking yeah. about people that listen to this kind of stuff. Yeah. They hear the word mystical and they get triggered. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got one here. The um, God spoke to me, and he said, well, you suffer for me. And I paused just very briefly, because that's pretty heavy. I go, why is he asking me this? And then I said, yes, because I knew I had to. Mm-hmm. And the, the power of God hit me, and it, uh, it's, see, this is why I call it a mystical experience. Because there's a tremendous amount of literature out there that Christians have never even heard about. Most of it's medieval. And these experiences are rare. But it lasted for about an hour and a half. I just lay there and just soaked it up. And I was just going, whoa, 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 you know. Mm. And then um, when we came back um, from the mountain, first of all, we were actually talking about uh, a person in my family. He's not, he married into the family, okay? Mm -hmm. And then when we got back home, his friend walked up to the car and said, um, this person is dead. Hmm. Died. He got. I'm not going to say how he died. Okay, but uh, and that's when it started. That was like, like a signal from God or something. You know, people were not thinking straight. They're going, oh, God killed somebody so he could, you know, give you this sign. No, God just it's just about timing. That was going to happen anyway, and God uh, timed it that way. Okay. He didn't do it for days. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's, and I've been suffering ever since. That's so what, like that's called what, the dark. Around night. what year would you say it was? Or if you remember, ninety-two, I think. Ninety-two. Yeah, that's called the dark night of the soul. A Christus talked about the dark night of the soul, not realizing the dark night of the soul doesn't last for a few months. It can literally last for decades, and these. Mystics talk about it lasting for decades. People like uh, Teresa of Avila. Hmm. What it basically is, there's different types of it, but that's basically what you have with Moses in the wilderness. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was. That's why I, <laughs> I was wondering if it was approaching the 40th year. Yeah, it's about 26 or 27 years somewhere around there. Now you have to have a tremendous amount of grace to even uh, go through something like that. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, the people in Scripture, they had these promises from God. See, in a local church setting, let's just face it, let's get real. God doesn't give these Christians uh, long-term promises. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
where literally decades go by with me. We're talking about three decades now. Three decades. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it still doesn't happen. Um, they don't actually have the faith to follow up on that. Now, I said before, the faith is from God. It says in the Scripture that he gives every man different measure of faith, okay? Right. Uh, but the reason these men were able to do this, people like Abraham, David, Moses, they were tremendously gifted, and God was doing, doing all these things with them, like he's doing with me. Mm-hmm. I said on the show that the supernatural follows me around. It's not my opinion. This is what people say. And yeah. when, when people get away from me, then it starts to fade out. What does that tell you? Mm-hmm. I, I had one girl, <clears throat> I mentioned her recently. This is what she said. She said, this is the All About Dave show. I always thought that was funny. That was her analysis, you see. Mm. She dropped out and took off. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mentioned her uh, recently in a positive context. <clears throat> you know, it's funny because I, I, like when I was on the back end of the, that show that I finished today from yesterday, um, I had this thought of it's like everybody in everybody has this uh, kind of struggle that they don't know that they're struggling with, but they're struggling with the hierarchy and just the, the concept in, in general. Like it's like everybody is, it's like an abrasive concept of, of a hierarchy. Um, but that's just the way it is. Well, like, no, I was just looking on Facebook and I was looking at this guy on there. He kind of impressed me. And I think about this a lot, but I, I actually don't follow up on it. But I, uh, there was a guy on there that wanted to dialogue with people in text about the divine council. And um, he made it, he wasn't trying to, or maybe he was, uh, it was very apparent. He knew the heck he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And so I had kind of this impulse to, uh, you know, contact him and say, hey, I'd like to, you know, talk with you, like on the phone or something. I'd like to talk to the guy, you know. He's obviously uh, read a lot of books on the subject. Mm-hmm. This is the Michael Heiser Facebook group, okay? Oh, okay. And uh, and maybe have him on the show. I don't know. But anyway, um, it just hit me today because I went back to that group and poked around to try to find that thread. It was so far down. That's why I don't like Facebook because you do a lot of work on there. It just goes down to the bottom. It disappears. Mm-hmm. Or I, I had to spend 20 minutes trying to find it, and I still couldn't find it. I had to go. Mm-hmm. I, I got to get going to the store, you know what I mean? That's Facebook for you, you know what I mean? It's a way mm-hmm. You can't teach people on there. I mean, it's just uh, it's a big time waste. It's very inefficient, okay? If I've ever done anything right in my life, it's, <laughs> I've never did social media. Okay. But the reason I bring this up is because these people just follow Michael Heiser by rote. They don't make mm-hmm. any significant changes. Can we please talk about the possibility that these 70 have female consorts, or can we even talk about the possibility of female angels? Can we just please do that? No. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. We can't do that. Mm-hmm. And these guys are like, well, occasionally they'll ask questions. Because you can't go anywhere with the divine council if you're text driven. Because you have yeah. to go with what the scriptures say. Well, the scriptures don't say very much. Yeah, it's limited amount. Yeah, very little. So that if that's where you want to stay, then you know, with your head in your Bible, where the chemtrails are falling down on your head, you know nothing about them. Then that's where you're going to stay. Well, so that that 
it's kind of where I was going with this was that y- y'all y'all kind of talked about you know the divine uh, revelation and you know it's I guess I guess it's kind of like there's a success I guess it's a session like where it's, everything stopped you You're know anything anything like that but You're talking about cessationism it, based on cessation yeah it's like there's no no we don't do that anymore yeah, you know how many ended. Verses, you know how many that was on there too that was in the michael heiser uh, group you know how many verses do they have for that how one many? verse and the guy was asking a question he said what does the word perfect mean because it's not even clear mm. now, i i and i'm not going to go into it right now but that passage is not clear at all yeah. That's your proof text for cessationism that all these sign gifts came to an end. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to think. Get your head out of the Bible and ask yourself a question. How is it possible for a human to prove that God didn't do this once or twice 600 years ago mm-hmm. and it didn't survive through history? Can you prove that never happened? Well, see, and that's a, that's what I was that's where I was going with this. Is it like it's like in in where where I live in the Southern Baptist, you know, geography geography part of the country? Like this is how we do it. If that's implied, nobody comes out and just like says that for the most part. But they talk out of both sides of their mouth. So it's like, well, we don't, you know, there's no divine revelation. But you know, you have a preacher that <laughs> Jesus is calling him over here to this church. Well, isn't that divine revelation? Well, like, I've, already, I've already explained that. Everybody believes in divine revelation. They're, they're right, but they don't. They themselves. believe in it, but they don't. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's funny. Well, if you think that God can guide you with uh, through uh, revealed information, <laughs> you believe, and uh, that's what you believe right. in <laughs> Right, and it's, and it's like so frustrating because it's like, you. so you believe in this, but you don't. Okay, I, I, I see that, I guess. Uh, that's sort of like, Because their you know, minds are stunted, so these tech it, exact people. That's exactly what it is. It's like they got a block in it, and so it's like my mom and I, we've had conversations, you know, where I've gradually over time, you know, been like uh, feeding her stuff that I've learned from, from you, and, you know, the idea of like it, it was Adam and, you know, the, just the postures just floating out there, is it even just possible you know, the the idea of Adam and Jesus and David, you know, the whole the whole thing. And at first you're met with a with a block you know, blocked path there. Oh no 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 well, the man never, heard, never even heard that. When did they ever right. hear that? Right. And it's 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 so funny because the programming comes right out, it's appointed on a man wants to die. You know, that's the that's like the first thing thrown out there. And it, it's like you, you just kinda keep laying it out there and chipping away at it. And it, it it's like you can start seeing the wheels slow, the cogs slowly turning. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, you know, there's like little cobwebs breaking free and stuff like that. And it's, it, it, it's promising that, so, so like where we left this, where I left that off with my mom the other day is, you know, is I just kind of was a little bit more blunt about it. I was like, so, you know, we've been programmed that reincarnation is not a possibility. It doesn't happen when, you know, when the word just means refleshed, mm-hmm. it, you know, that we're so dumbed down because it's a Hinduism thing. It means coming back like an earthworm or something, which is ridiculous. 
But I, and I, that's, so that's we're, called we're, transmigration. That's right, but right. most mo- for the most part, people equate that to reincarnation. But you, yeah. you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, they don't make a um, But so I said, you know, the blessed hope is what <laughs> you come back to life. Isn't that <laughs> like being refreshed? The Bible so tells we, us what the second, uh, the blessed hope is. It's uh, it's the second avenue to go ahead. It, well, no, I mean like the whole like we're gonna come back from the dead, you know. Yeah. Oh, so that's that we believe that on the one hand, but over here with with you know Adam Jesus, that's not a possibility. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because the um, I point this out over and over through the years. I, I even gave it a, a theological term. I had to make it up myself. I called the principle of sovereign exception. If there's princi- if there's exceptions in the context of scripture, then you apply them. So. So what they're doing with 1 Corinthians 13, uh, because they're text-driven, they're, they're making an absolute position, mm-hmm. and then they cease to think, because so this is my belief system, and it's an absolute position, so this can never happen. I, I said before, how do you know that God did make a, an exception a couple times through history? If you have an absolute position, and God made a couple of uh, exceptions, guess what happens to your absolute positions? A tiny little human mind just went down the tubes. Mm-hmm. Is this the way they think? No. How many times have you heard me say on the show, the human mind is stunted to Genesis 3 curse, and it typically thinks either or right down the line. So would an example of that be, uh, I mean, this may be a, a kind of a, a stupid example on my part, but would that... In other words, the Calvinist, that, right, Calvinist versus Pentecostals, this is what they think. Go ahead. <laughs> well, okay, so like the, the, the exception... The, that exception principle, it's okay, like, so just take that God's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh-huh. And did he make an exception because Abraham kind of came and negotiated with him, or was that the plan from the beginning, was that he was going to come and negotiate? Well, people don't want to hear the answer for that. But anytime that you have something that important, uh, those things are already predestined. I've said in the show, okay. but not, not everything. I, I thought you were going to say that that's probably what it was. Like well, it, his mind important. wasn't swayed by Abraham. Well, see, that was going to end up in the scriptures. It was all predestined. And anything okay. that important is going to be determined by God. It's not something that you can plead with God and he's going to change his mind. Now, if you focus okay. on the text, that's what it appears to be is happening. Mm-hmm. I, I also in that Michael Heiser uh, face. Like it's appealing to our humanity, yeah. I saw a, a, a woman who was clearly anti-intellectual, anti-theology. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was negative, saying negative things about theology, and uh, everything was like either or. Mm-hmm. Isn't there like a middle position here somewhere? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, it got to the point where she was like anti-thinking. Right. I've been around Christians like that. I actually said on the show they would use that passage. Like, it's, here we go with our proof text. Knowledge puff us up. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you know, obviously you have to think, but you don't want to think too much, or you'll become proud, <clears throat> and you could, you know, get full of yourself and end up going to hell for all your thinking. Mm-hmm. They actually believe this. Mm. So much easier to pick between A or B, true or false, black, black or white. You know, it's so much easier. It requires so much less thinking. It's fifty percent chance of being wrong is all. Let me just say something about the Trinity here, real quick. But uh, I'm assuming that uh, Jay Dyer believes that if you don't believe in the Trinity, you're not even a Christian. Yeah, the, he's he's put that out there. Yeah, 
the doctrine of the Trinity okay. stuff, yeah. How many times have we talked about this? Do we have a verse for that? Yeah. There are no verses. I'm talking about yeah. listening. Um, it's a heresy to reject the doctrine of the Trinity, so there has to be an... Unless it specifically states this, there has to be an admonition or warning not to do that. But every single Trinitarian scholar... I just said scholar. He thinks he's a scholar. Mm -hmm. I already said scholars don't talk like that. There's no scholars that talk like that. Not in public. None. Mm -hmm. So I guess he would be the first one, a historical anomaly. Okay, but uh, none of them say this. If I heard him correctly, was he, I think he was somebody... This is what someone said. But they said that he believes that the Trinity is found in Genesis 126, 126, 127. I think he has, yeah, I think he's okay. tried to do that, force that in there, yeah. Okay, well, speaking of scholars, that's not the scholarly opinion. There are some scholars that believe that. I'm talking about Trinitarian scholars. Right. But the majority, I'm not proving anything here. I'm just saying <clears throat> that's not the majority scholarly opinion. Now, it may be in the Eastern Church. I don't know about that. Maybe why he, that's why he teaches that. Uh, their theology is very weak. There are theologians out there that make the claim that they don't even have a systematic theology. In the East? Yeah, kind of like Judaism. I would say they do more than Judaism, definitely. There's just, just a different mentality. No. Now, what I like to say about these anti-systematic people, what, 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 is, what is a systematic theology? It's organized truth, ideally. That's what it's supposed mm -hmm. to be. So do you think that unorganized truth is better? <laughs> when you start to organize things? Um, yeah. Now, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, when man does these things, uh, you, you do run into problems. But no, there's nothing wrong with ideally a systematic theology. But the majority view of scholars, uh, maybe this is just the Western church, this is referring to angels. That's what they say. Now, here's how dumbed-down scholars are. Scholars are just like lay people. They don't talk about the Elohim. They, they say, mm -hmm. angel. This is true. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's not true with all of them. It's true with the great majority of them, I would say, over 90%. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, I've got a, quite a few theological works, and um, off the top of my head... Can't think of anybody that says the word Elohim. They use the word angel. Because mm -hmm. um, when you go to seminary, that's what they do. They just kind of fall along with that their entire career. That's what they're familiar with. That's what they're familiar with. That's what they're comfortable with. They don't break away from the pack. Like Steve Prefontaine used to. He's an Oregon runner. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest track and field coaches ever, Bill Bowerman. He tried to get him to run more efficiently, and it just wasn't his style. He wanted to run out in front, way ahead of everybody. Sometimes it, he lost races because of that. But he wasn't, uh, he had a lot of courage. He wasn't afraid to break away from the pack. These guys are not, they don't have the courage, okay? Because hmm. they're in the money system. In the money. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's a, it has to do with finance. Yeah. Don't you don't want to take risk? You got to pay the bills. Keep your wife happy. You know what? Keeping the wife ha happy has to do with making more, not just paying the bills. That's not good enough to please an American wife. 
It's always got moving forward, moving up, climbing the ladder, making your wife happy. Is that like that concept that you just laid out there about that with like the theologians and stuff? Do, do you think that that's part of the reason for the choice of the disciples is because they didn't have anything to lose uh, as far as like status and opinion, like. Um, yeah, and and, uh, and they were correctable. Like they didn't have their mind made up. Like they were open to correction. Well, sure. Peter degree. said, "See, they had already abandoned the world." You see, they weren't trying to they abandon the what the world, the world, what we call the you know the world system today. Right. We have more of a system here today. See, but Peter mm -hmm. said, "We have left everything to follow you." What does that tell you? Mm -hmm. You see. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Is that like the the the, the Heisers and you know those types got passed over? They were there. They had them, and you know they were there in that at that time. But they got they got passed over. I don't like to and criticize they, Michael Heiser because well, I'm not. I'm just using him as an example. I just like want to say the scholarly types. I think I might have said it before. I don't like to criticize him because he's doing too many things that are good. I don't want to defend yeah. from that. I, I, didn't, I, wasn't, I didn't mean that critically. I'm just saying like the scholarly types that yeah. are typically not open for, for learning. They, you know, they, get, they get handed the degree, and it's like you're the apex. Nobody can tell you what to do or how things are now. Um, and, and, and like I said, I think in, in, in that time period, I think that th those guys were there too, and they weren't, they weren't having it. They weren't going to hear it. Their mind was made up. This is how we do things. Uh -huh. um, and and you know that's kind of like uh, I think I think y'all mentioned that in that podcast also. That's like the whole debating the idea of debating an atheist. It's like why? It's funny you said like, that what? because um, that that was what was on my mind when you said that that very subject. That is not biblical. You can't find that anywhere in scripture. Well, and and I've always felt like and, and I've kind of in my mind sort of been um, had this like kind of. I've always had to fight it back, this criticism for, like, apologetic ministries that are, like, going out and trying to save atheists. And I'm like, man, just like you're just, like, spinning your wheels. Like, their mind's made up. Like, you know, I'm not saying that God couldn't do something, but you're, you're going you're gonna to drive yourself crazy uh, and probably end up pretty cantankerous and smitten. Well, it's an opposition to 1 Corinthians 2 where it says that the natural mind cannot receive the things of God. Right there. You're mm -hmm. head against the wall. It's a fool's errand. Why would you do that? What's the fruit mm -hmm. of all that? Okay. Yeah. So the biblical position is you're required to give an answer to every man that asks of you. But these right. people that are sincere, now they could have people, they act sincere. You don't know. Because you don't have, you mm -hmm. have to kind of feel them out. But if they act sincere, then you're required to give them an answer. These atheists are mocking Christians, okay? And that's why these mm -hmm. get all stirred up in the flesh. I'm going to bury him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take him out. I'm going to destroy him, like Drake Shelton. I'm going to put my foot on his throat and make him love Jesus. <laughs> well, if you listen to that one podcast, you, you heard me talk about <clears throat> hand on your throat apologetics. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Put my hand on your throat. Okay. Different subject, but... When Paul did these things, what people do, they'll point to Paul. Like when he was in Athens. Mm -hmm. It's completely different. 
he was doing that within the context. Uh, first of all, you don't really see any debate there. They were just listening to him. He got some strange ideas. So let's hear him out. But um, he debated people like the Jews trying to prove that Jesus was the Christ. But he did it within the context of evangelization. Hello? Mm-hmm. Totally different. You see the motive? Mm-hmm. No, this is to prove that I'm superior to you with greater argumentation. Completely yeah. different. Completely different. Yeah. This is not in the Bible anywhere. And, there, okay. and there's, there's always that element of, of faith that has to be in there. And if somebody doesn't have that ability, then what are you doing? I have to say this, you know, because Christians don't know very much. So I have to say this over and over again. Christians assume that if you're non-Trinitarian, then you're either an Arian or you're uh, a modalist. I'm neither one of them. And what I believe is something that people haven't even heard before. It's not condemned in the Bible. It's not even condemned in a church council. I have to say that because they'll say, well, David's a heretic. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they draw that conclusion, they'll, they'll, they'll reject everything. He's a child of the devil. Okay? Mm-hmm. They're looking for an easy answer. They're looking for an excuse to just, okay, we just ignore everything you said. This is how we do it. He's not, he's anti Trinitarian. You know something? I don't even talk about the Trinity that much. <laughs> and when I do, mm-hmm. it's in a positive context, and I say, you can believe in the Trinity, you're not going to go to hell. The last mm-hmm. thing I said about the Trinity, I said, I, I believe it's a punishment from God. Yeah. This is what you're going to get. <clears throat> yeah, I definitely feel like it's 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 not accidental how confusing the concept is. These people have never heard the concept that we're under a corporate judgment and the truth is largely hidden. They've never even mm-hmm. heard this before. It's already happened before in the history of um, <clears throat> Israel. Do you really think that in the uh, period of the uh, judges that they had a really good working theology. No, everything deteriorates. It starts with mm-hmm. morality, and when morality deteriorates, everything, the mind deteriorates. Mm-hmm. Oh, it actually begins with the mind, though. Just like sex. Uh, it always makes me laugh. Uh, what, which king was it? Was it Josiah? Where they found Leviticus? Was, it, was that Josiah where they found, like, the book of Leviticus, and it had been lost for, like, two, three hundred years or something like that? You know well, they found a about. lost. They found a lost book. Um, so, right there, I can't, I can't remember if it was Leviticus <laughs> or something. But it's like it's like the, the ink hadn't dried yet, and they lost it. You know, and it's like here we are. You know, four thousand ish years later, and we, we're absolutely sure we know everything. Well, let's stop and think about that. Okay, obviously things were not adequately preserved. Now, here's where it gets important. Who was ultimately responsible for preserving truth? Yeah. God. God is. If you can't figure that out, you've got some kind of a problem. Okay? Did God do that? No. So it's like the concept that he gives truth and he takes it away. That's that's the part we don't like. Okay? So God did not preserve the truth. And why did he do that? It's always the same reason. It's a punishment. punishment. Christians do not like to talk about punishment, especially when it has to do with Christians. They're just like the Israelites. Mm-hmm. 
you try to communicate to the Israelites as a prophet that you're under the judgment of God, they just, well, we already know the track record because it's in the scriptures. They rejected mm-hmm. it and um, and they uh, murdered them, according to Christ said. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they thought that that was compatible with Jewish law in this society, at least so far. That's not compatible with secular law. So they won't, they won't, they won't kill you. They'll just slander you up and down like the Democrats do, and all that garbage, finger pointing, childish. Christians are finger pointers. They're always making these snap judgments and finger pointing, talking, babbling about things they don't even know what they're talking about. They're not even. They shouldn't be even making these judgments. Then they'll come out and tell you, you, you should not judge. <laughs> We've dealt mm-hmm. with that before. The Bible teaches yeah. both. You should and you shouldn't in different contexts. See, they yeah, get, it's all contextual. They don't get that from their pastors, so they have to, to discover that truth in their own personal study. Well, obviously they didn't. What does that tell you? Now, the other thing I saw <clears throat> while I was scrolling down to try to find that thread, which I never found, in the Michael Heiser uh, Facebook group, mm-hmm. was uh, this article. It's some kind of a survey. Now, you know I don't trust surveys, okay? But I didn't read it. But the headline uh, was talking about how atheists and Jews are, have, they have more religious knowledge than conservative Christians. Okay, and uh, you can say whatever you want to believe about, but in the thread below it, I noticed that there was all these people, conservative Christians, that were acknowledging that based on their experience by interacting with conservative Christians. In fact, one guy was talking about these seminary students. Who wanted to be pastors? I should say I might agree with the with the. <laughs> you, <laughs> that might be true, and using specific examples about how incredibly ignorant they were. These are basic like Bible questions. They didn't even they couldn't even answer the question. There you go. Now I said before, I, I, there's no question that Jews are more educated. They've always been more educated than Christians. Yeah, I, I, was, I didn't know where you were going with that, but I was but sitting I there nodding uh, my head, like going, "Yeah, I think that might be true." <laughs> I don't, I don't buy into that with the atheists. Um, but um, what I think, I, about, I think that could be t- true to a degree with like where they, um, with like the gotcha tactic, like you know. Uh, they might brush up on some verses out of context and like, well, what do you say about this? Aha, I gotcha. You know, and, and an idiot Christian sits there and goes, uh, uh, I don't know. Well, see, you, know? Uh, you have atheists that are just silent, and apparently they're not showing up in the survey. The ones that they're showed up in their survey are the ones that are out there. They're like activists, and they enjoy right. dialoguing with Christians and proving them wrong. Those are the guys that act, they actually study the Bible, but their only motive it all has to do with the ego to prove the Christians are wrong. Yeah. But there's one other reason that they have to do all that, the motivation. It has to do with their relationship or lack of with God. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do these things because God doesn't exist. Every man has a subtle pressure on him from God to obey and do the right thing. And they're shutting that down. So they have to – here's the way I say it. Theologians talk about not only original sin, but original guilt. Every man has guilt that comes from God. It's part of the curse. Mm-hmm. And I said on the show that this is my theory why the Greek philosophers said 
that every action of man is to alleviate anxiety. There's a relationship between guilt and anxiety. You don't have a re proper relationship with God. The number one most important thing, unless you're going to say glorifying God, it's basically the same thing, is having a relationship with God, obviously. Mm -hmm. They don't have that. They don't have the most important thing. But see, Christians don't know this, but they, this will sound new age, but they, everyone's a child of God. Okay. Mm -hmm. but here, here's what we're going to do right now. I haven't done this on the show yet. Okay. We're going to do this right now. No one can get their Bible out and prove that everyone is not a child of God. I'm going to explain that. Okay. Why is that? Because in Ecclesiastes 12, 7, it says that when the body passes away, doesn't mention the soul, it does that elsewhere in Ecclesiastes, the spirit returns to God. It's a simple statement, mm -hmm. okay? Now, does it put a qualifier on that? No. So did I feel comfortable saying that all spirits return to God, even the reprobate? Did I do that? No, because I wanted to be cautious, just like these theologians that I mentioned earlier. See, it's a human condition. Mm -hmm. But the reason I did that, because there's no evidence. But guess what? There's no evidence that they don't either. Okay. Yeah. Mr. Christian Big Shot, who believes he's absolutely convinced that's the New Age doctrine from Satan. Everyone's a child of God. Get your Bible out and prove that all these spirits do not return to God at the moment of death. Well, isn't that like kind of, wouldn't that have to somewhat be self-evident because like everything comes from something else and you do that long enough and where do you end up? Well, we had to actually uh, rely on revelation. Just the reason is because so I would be confident to make that statement publicly. Now I'm, now I'm confident. No one can prove it wrong. You can't. I mean, is that, that, uh, what is that? What is that? Is it emanation? Is that what that is? Or, uh, is it everything emanates from God? Like, Absolutely. So that was, well, they never, okay, so then they think that's, that's every student. Okay. You have to explain that because it, um, Christians are going to they're going to screw that up too. I explained before. I don't want to go on that right now. I don't think. But um, as things move from God from point A to point B, or C or D, think they change along the way. The primary category is at some point I compare it to like a sunbeam or mm -hmm. a breath. You know a human breath, mm -hmm. it's your breath, right? Mm -hmm. But as it, as it passes out of your mouth, at some point, it becomes something uniquely other than you. But before, it was a part of you. It was contained within you. And it right. was your breath. And this is very important because this is how God created the soul according to what Scripture says. Right. That's what it says, doesn't it? And the, mm -hmm. the sunbeam, the the, the the sunbeam is a part of the sun. Can anyone deny that? Mm -hmm. But at some point, we acknowledge it is something uniquely different, don't we? Mm -hmm. So there's a red line there. That when something emanates from God, it enters a new category uniquely other than God. And this is what we call creation, or if it has consciousness, we call it the creature. Mm -hmm. Christian brain cannot process this. They say that that's new age. Although they've never heard this explanation. So they hear the explanation, they'll go, well, okay. But how many people are talking about that? Well, you have to have a lot of people talking about it. You have to have a lot of publicity. You have to have a lot of approval. And then they will have... A... See, I'm willing to go a step out if I have a revelation. 
they're not willing to step out unless the authorities that they trust say this is true because they're trusting the authorities. They don't. Um, hearing you, hearing you describe it like this, it makes me think of the parable of the talents. It's like it was it, the you know the, the master gave them money and said, "Okay, done. Now do something with or gold or whatever. Now do something with it." And they all had the ability to do with it what they chose. Right. And you know some did some did bad. Well, this is true with information. For instance, if, you know the information you are supposed to share it with other people. It's called mm-hmm. the gospel. Uh, after that show, I af- immediately after the show, I wanted to communicate. I don't know if I'm going to do right now that um, it's firstly impossible to prove that Christians know the gospel. All of them. Mm-hmm. Remember, I said that the um, <clears throat> it's a gospel of grace, right? Mm-hmm. So therefore, you know, there's only one definition of grace. We're talking about God's definition, Paul's definition. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that definition, then you're rejected twice, and you're doomed in Galatians chapter one. So if the Armenians are right, then they're going to make it. If the Calvinists are right, then the Armenians are doomed, according to the first century apostolic standard. Are we held to that standard today? I personally don't believe so. And people go, what? I'm not going to go on that right now. I've already talked about it before. I said in the last show, you, you don't even have enough information to establish orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. People never heard that before. They go, what? Okay. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> I've touched on this before, but there are different components to the gospel. Here's what, here's what you hear people say. You know this. You'll hear this, especially in Oklahoma. Where you're from the sixth mm-hmm. gospel truth mm-hmm. that's the most important thing the simple gospel truth do these people know what they're talking about no i'm going to prove it right now how many of these christians who talk about the simple gospel truth or christianity in totality are aware that the general resurrection of the saints is in this not only is it essential part of the gospel it's essential doctrine period i don't even know that is that a theory no go to first corinthians 15 1 through 3 and then continue to read the context now let's go back to the christian church dave claims that the mind is blocked i already proved it there's no discussion of god is one mm-hmm. everybody just seems they if there is they, they just assume they have the truth like the modalists, right? They talk about God. It's like the one. focal point of the Bible, right? Let's just make it real quick. They're all heretics, unless they're inconsistent, and there's a very few of them that are. The reason they're all heretics and they're going to go to hell, at least according to what the Scripture says, is because Second John seven says that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and remains in the flesh, and anyone who rejects this is guess what? The Antichrist with a definite article. Why does it use the definite article? Even though it's talking about plurality, because he's talking about a unique kind of false teacher that's worse than all the other false teachers. Hmm. And that's what it's talking about in the context. It says, do not allow such a person into your house. Is he talking about a Jehovah's Witness knocking your door? That's what Christians believe because they're uneducated. He's talking about a house church. 
which it refers to twice as a lady, speaking metaphorically. Mm. Okay, that's a different subject. It's not, it's, it's not essential. Okay, how many Christians know? Uh, let's put it this way. Isn't it true that all Christians believe that they know the gospel? Mm-hmm. Well, do they know that the general resurrection is, is an essential element of the gospel? Do they know that? No, they uh, do not. Yeah, I was going to say very few. That very few. So again, do Christians know the gospel? No. Not in its entirety, for sure. Well, here's the thing. <clears throat> I'm going to say that nobody does. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing, because you can prove that the gospel has different elements. It's not just one simple truth. It has to do with some kind of compound information. Okay. So you're saying it's like it's tiered, like of under, like of understanding. It has different components. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to claim that the, that we don't have absolute certainty that anybody knows what all of these components are. There's a red line there. Let's say there's eight components. Let's say that there's three or mm-hmm. five. Who's the authority that can say with absolute certainty, because we know there's more than one component? Mm-hmm. How many components there are? Who's the authority that can do this? Now, I'm not claiming nobody has all of them. What I'm saying is we're not certain if we even have the truth. You know how many people I've heard say this? You know. This is pa- you this know is how I work patterns. around here? Nobody. That's why I'm doing that deliberately. You can prove the Christian church collectively, corporately, is blinded by God because the evidence is everywhere. The reason they can't see it is because why? Because they're blinded by God. So this Not is hard. the pattern that we're saying. in those ways. And you go, oh, well, evidence is all over the place. <clears throat> like this, this is like very similar to, uh, you know, with Christ's birth and, you know, his life is that everybody that should have known didn't know didn't recognize like you know well look at look at the uh disciples okay here they are sitting at the master's feet and they're ignorant too yeah that's uh, that's one of the one that's one of the verses that uh you threw out there it's been a couple years ago probably that even after his resurrection they still didn't understand is it true or not true that they were uh uh, confused about what we call Bible prophecy, especially the role of Messiah. Guess what? Every single one of them was. Yeah, and, uh, forget okay. the, I forget the chapter and verse, but they, he opened their minds so that they would understand that the scriptures were written about him. And then they got it. But that's not the way divine Christians revelation. Think. Christians like to believe that well, well, we're into the new covenant, and, and uh, see, the reason we don't need the apostles today is because God revealed it all through His Spirit. We don't need the angels either. But, uh, that were, you know, they, yeah, and they'll look down their nose at them, just like the Pharisees, and say negative remarks. Also, mm-hmm. they'll say negative things about the Israelites in the uh, <clears throat> Exodus, right? Mm-hmm. As if they would have done better. Yeah, that's, that, I've always drawn that comparison that we are probably worse than them as far as government is hard-headed. No. Remember. I'm yeah. a devolutionist. I'm assuming that you are too. What's that going to tell yeah. me? We are categorically inferior at every single point along the way to an ancient Israelite that we make fun of. I don't. 
No, I, I, I recognize that very early on. I've always tried to uh, put myself in that situation and wonder where I would pan out, you know, re- realistically. Uh, you know, I've, there, there's you try to weigh it out like, you know, uh, and you brought this up in that podcast. You know, they had a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke, right. you know, and that and that wore off. You know, would I would I look at that every morning and be like, wow, that's, you know, that's leadness. Uh, you know, let's go where it tells us to go, you know. Uh, that that stopped being effective to them for, for whatever reason. That's that I can't say that I'd be any better. The human condition is to adapt to everything, mm-hmm. whether good or bad. That's the problem. And to take things for granted, to follow nature, mm-hmm. and also to forget that's why in the Torah, there's built-in things to uh, remind, remind, remind. Because mm-hmm. of the fall, you're going to forget, forget, forget. It's like the curse of comfort. You get comfortable and you forget. Yeah. Um, and, that, and, you know, stress, stress, like it or not, tends to make you remember. Uh, Christians need stress and suffering. That's one of the reasons what God's going to do is the reason that God's going to send tribulation is so that he can purify a small remnant. Mm-hmm. That's one of the purposes, and everyone else will be judged. It doesn't just What's have funny? a single purpose. It has a manifold purpose. God wants to uh, glorify himself by doing some things also. Mm-hmm. But the remnant, they're not purified right now. They're not ready to go anywhere. It's and it, and I think that it's like so like I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Um, that just the stress factor, and you know, it can be good stress or it can be unpleasant stress. But like, it is it is essential, like it or not, it's essential to learn. Whether it's you know stressing out studying for a test, like I'm I'm nearing the end of a process of stressing my body out five days a week to achieve a goal. I can't get that goal without the stress. Like, there's just no way to do it. <laughs> you know, it the stress is required to get it, and it's and it's 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 like a law of entropy or something. You can't you can't bypass it. Um, and it, and it's kind of one of those things. You know, Pastor Charles. It's been I don't know a year or so ago when we had a call once, and he quoted that verse that we know all things, and we didn't really get to talk about it much. And I've, I've thought more about that, and, and I've, I kind of wonder if it's like we have the potential to know all things, depending on how much stress you want to go through to know all things. That's kind of where I'm at right now with it. If you think that's wrong, I'm totally open for you to say that's not what that means. But it's like I have the potential to know how to do open-heart surgery, but I don't know how to do that now because I haven't stressed myself enough with learning and studying to be able to perform it. Yeah. And, and like, do you think there's anything there like in that, in, in that vein or do you, or do you think that's totally something? Well, we different? can create a term off the cuff. I'll call it a seed gift. Cause you said potential. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say that you only have the potential if you have the gift. Right. The gift is not manifest yet, but we'll call it a seed. It's in a seed form. Okay. But if it's out there, then you don't have the potential. The, the ability always comes from God. We don't have any abilities. Everything is right. Gift. This is what scriptures teach. So on the subject of gifts, I want to say something. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Jay Dyer was uh, raised in uh, Reformed Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. As you notice, on the last podcast, I made a note of saying that traditionally I, I was just trying to get yeah, to you a send state. people there. Yeah. 
Another safe place is actually a good Messianic Jewish synagogue. People freak out. Synagogue? Mm-hmm. No, that's the proper word. It's in the book of James. That's what. Do you want to have a building? Okay. Mm-hmm. In Scripture, it's called a synagogue. That's the biblical word, even in the New Testament, within an apostolic context. Mm-hmm. Uneducated again. And they're going to have a snap judgment, you see? Mm-hmm. You're going to have to educate yourself because there's a lot of issues with that. Um, we'll call it a denomination, the Messianic movement. Mm-hmm. They're Christians, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, but... <clears throat> So they, they can be a safe place. And uh, I, that one girl I sent to that uh, Reformed church, I, she got a little tired of it, so I sent her off to a Messianic synagogue. But this is one I, I actually believe we're just really fortunate here. We have probably one of the better ones, in my opinion, in the country. It's called B-E-I-T-H-I-L-L-E-L-N-D. Uh, whatever you want to call him, uh, he's a scholar. He's written books. Very intelligent. Guess what? He used to um, he used to be reformed, and he still holds to those beliefs. As far as I know, he's still a predestinarian. That's extremely rare, and that's an extremely rare combination. We were talking about this in that podcast I did with uh, Joshua way back in 1999. I was beginning to combine these like very odd views as far as the combination is concerned of Augustinianism, not Calvinism, never was a Calvinist, Augustinianism, the older views, mm-hmm. and uh, what we call Messianic Judaism. Just like I would combine the best of Origin and Augustine, they're like opposites in many ways, but if you take the mm-hmm. best of both of them, Never done this. There is no theology. That's where I got the term Augustine. Mm-hmm. Combining the two. Okay, so <clears throat> back to uh, Jay Dyer. That was the environment that he was raised in. Then he thought that, uh, well, we got some issues here, so I'm going to convert to Roman Catholicism. So now he's in the Eastern Church, okay? The Eastern Church has a false gospel. This is the one I just said. Mm-hmm. This is all based on the <clears throat> assumption, of course, that it, it has to be the gospel of grace. You have to have the rec- correct definition of grace. So they don't have a problem with that. They say, well, all the uh, Protestant reformers were wrong. Okay? Mm-hmm. And Augustine, who is, um, as far as categories go, of influence, as far as influence, he's the most influential theologian in the history of the church. Okay? And he was wrong, too. Okay, we're right. You're wrong. Okay? But as far as Mr. Dyer is concerned, <clears throat> you, you see a theological deterioration. Does he believe in uh, predestination anymore? No. We're not going to get excited about that. But if he believed what the Reformed Church taught, then he must have been a monergist. Is he a monergist anymore? No. He's a synergist. I know he's a synergist. Okay, but if we can assume that he was a monergist, I can easily assume that. Is that theological improvement, advancement, or deterioration, in your opinion? 
But just the just like well, you listed out those. I think you listed out two verses in that podcast uh, that no one comes to the Father or comes to the Father unless he's drawn by. Or I'm butchering that. You, you know the verse That's I'm talking about. Right. Which that to me is like an A bomb being dropped on any other view. Um, well, there's no way to refute it. There's just, yeah, the, the, it's you can't come back from this one, and so it's like the the hubris to think that I or anyone can climb the ladder to reach God is like it's, I don't know. It's it's kind of it doesn't that doesn't look great. That like I like I did this, like I accomplished this. Like that's that, it seems like that defeats the purpose of what grace means. It's a, it's a you know the it's the gift of grace. It's not something that you've achieved. It's a gift given by God, right? Isn't that kind of the definition of grace? Well, if you can um, do something to obtain or determine your own uh, salvation, it's it's not a gift. That, yeah, then it becomes my accomplishment. Like, in the, oh, in the, and I don't see it working partial. out like that. They like to talk, it's all partial because you cooperate with God. So some of it you did and some of it God did. They wouldn't. They don't like that. They would interrupt you and go, no, 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 I believe in grace. I don't think no. God needs a partnership. <laughs> They'll start babbling about grace. Yeah. I've already talked about, uh, you know, the Southern Baptists have a lot to say about grace. Somebody like Charles Stanley. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't even understand the word grace. They're misusing it, misapplying it. And the reason is, now see, they're like they're kind of like um, in a middle position between the Eastern Church, to some degree, and uh, an Augustinian or Calvinists. But they believe that it is a grace except for one single thing, which destroys everything. Because, see, monarchism is an absolute position. It has to hold up every point along the line. So you cannot contribute mm-hmm. anything. If you do, guess what? It's work salvation. Right. I don't care if it's 99% God and 1% you. Sorry. Still work salvation. Yeah, then you're in a, then you're in a partnership of, of some, to some degree. And I don't, know, I don't know that it's really a partnership. He's the boss. Okay, like, now here's what they believe. They, believe that they don't believe in predestination. That's the Reformed Baptist Church, which is very, very small numerically. Mm-hmm. They're theologically liberal. And all theology is to deteriorate every decade and become more liberal. I'm just saying that to mm-hmm. say that. That's easy to prove, by the way. Yeah. These positions, they soften. They used to be, uh, people used to be unmovable. They don't even know that they're moving. There's a whole denomination or whatever the heck moved. Anyway, they believe. <clears throat> That God is waiting for you to manifest saving faith. That is something that you do on your own. And then after that, God rewards that, you could say, a single movement of your will, which you produced on your own as a creature. So it's like an act of your own goodwill? Yes, and then God saved you by grace. (laughs) You know what that is, in a nutshell? A trick of the devil. Do you yeah, think there are all these little tricks in there in theology? Well, of course they are. They're all over the place. They can't see them, obviously, because no man can know his own errors. Yeah, as you've, yeah that, I've been thinking about that a lot. You said that two or three times in that podcast, and that's the truth. So here's two questions. Um, 
Do Southern Baptists see, see leave the salvation by grace? No, they don't, not according to an apostolic standard. Secondly, uh, do they have the true gospel? No, they do not. The scriptures specifically refer to the gospel of grace. Obviously, according to Paul, he's the theological authority in the historical mm-hmm. church. There's only one definition of grace, and that's his definition. When you go to Romans 9, does he sound like a synergist to you? <laughs> Come on, pull that up. Hold on. He's talking about double predestination. <clears throat> Look this up. Romans 9, 19, he says that no man can resist the will of God. Does that sound like a, <clears throat> a synergist? <laughs> Uh, when he talks about um <clears throat> wow yeah there's no wiggle room Jacob there. and Esau he says that their fate was determined before they had done anything good or bad before they were born their fate was already yeah. determined that that's where I left off to today was Jacob and Esau so anyway this woman that I that I that I uh, mentioned earlier I didn't quite finish the thought she was um, the anti-intellectual one Mm-hmm. She was slamming theology, okay? And uh, <laughs> she pointed out, she said, the book of Romans is the only book in the Bible that has to do with theology. You know something? She's right about that. The what, the what is the only book? There's only one theological, oh. we'll say quote-unquote theological. Okay. The book of Romans is the only book. She's right about that. Okay. Yeah, and the other what she pointed out, she she was criticizing these people who use these big words, because see, in her mind, that has to do with pride. That's the way the simple mind is. Mm-hmm. As a theologian, can you tell I'm a theologian? Mm-hmm. I'm a trained theologian. I can talk circles around theologians. They would become confused because of all the things they've never even thought about before, and they're down to the level of the. <clears throat> well, you're a child. You haven't heard or thought about any of these things? You can point the finger, well, that's all heresy. Well, we're going to take care of that one, too. Okay? But the reason that you use these terms, remember, I'm speaking on a completely different level. On this show, we're talking about a weaponized language. Mm-hmm. How many scholars, how many theologians have even thought or even heard of that concept? I'm going to say mm-hmm. zero. If they ever did, they'd have the knowing smile and possibly toss their head back in laughter. You know why? Uh, because they're confident in their errors and their ignorance. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, I, in my mind, I call that the bless your heart look and smile. Well, bless your heart. People right now, they have an institutionalized mind. Is that true or is it not true? Yeah. And they trust the system. Is that true or is it not true? That's very much true. And you know why they trust the system? Because they're married to it financially. Uh, because it's working. Yeah. I could do show after show with what I call a beach boy analogy. Yeah, yeah, you were throwing some beach boy stuff out there. That was pretty good. So today I was reading an article just randomly, and this is the truth. The Smile album that Brian Wilson was trying to put out in 1967, 66, mm-hmm. even today, I mean, this is what this lady, no, that's a, it was a guy, this is what he was saying, a long article. Nobody's ever done that before. We're talking about pop music, you see. Mm-hmm. It was more advanced than anything at the time, and it's more advanced than anything since. Mm-hmm. And it was basically, he got in over his head, he wasn't able to complete the project. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Beach Boys were out touring, 
And they came back and uh, they had to add the vocals because he was using the um, <clears throat> the best magicians in the world. And he was using what's called mod modules. I was the first person to do that, as far as I know. That's what Good Vibrations was. And then he basically tried to create, he, he did that song over, it was, took him months. That song cost more money than any song in history up to that time, okay? Mm. But he would create these modules in, in different uh, recording studios and fit them together. That's why it's called a module, okay? Mm. So then he decided to do the most ambitious album ever because he was in competition with the Beatles. So the Beach Boys come back, they're in the studio, and they're trying to sing their parts and everything. And Mike Love, Mike Love denies some of this. You know, he's typically the lead singer, but they have all kinds of, everybody does lead singing sometimes, you know, even the drummer, mm -hmm. okay? But he was complaining about this because it was just um, <clears throat> exactly what we're talking about right now, you know? It's, um, like too intellectual or something like that. You know something? If you're trying to sell a record, if that's your motivation, he's actually right. He's saying, you know, stick with the formula. Yeah, don't break from the pack. <laughs> that's what theologians do. They stick with the formula. You see that? Mm -hmm. and that's what keeps them from um, becoming great. You're going to have to break away from the pack. See, he broke away from the pack. And he was mm -hmm. abandoned. Uh, it, it beats for like they fell off the cliff because they were considered to be not relevant anymore. There was negative remarks, you know, like about one reviewer said they were the barbershop choir. It's Jimmy funny how like history, they're, they're timeless at this point now. It's funny. Jimi Hendrix talked about the death of surf music. He was right about that. For the one. He said surf music is dead. He was right. Okay. But that doesn't mean the Beach Boys are dead. No. Yeah. They, they, you, what happened is you had the psychedelic era, see? Mm -hmm. they, they really didn't participate in it. People talk about the psychedelic era of the Beach Boys, that, but um, a little bit here, but what they were doing was um, <clears throat> something nobody was doing uh, after 66, we even with, including 66, you know, category of one. You know what I mean? That's, that's, a, that's just like... In comparison to everybody else, I mean, Brian Wilson was a genius. He's still called that today. In fact, Brian Wilson is, here's what people need to understand. Why is Dave talking about this at all? If you're going to talk about music at all, I'm just using an analogy. There is no person that I'm aware of in, you know, popular music that is referred to as a genius more than Brian Wilson. Now, most people never heard that before. Well, there you go. Now we got something to work with, don't we? Yeah, Go prove to me that anybody was referred to as a genius more than him. Like I said, that's just the most bizarre time. Uh, everything that was going on in that little, in that area of of California, that's just the, the weirdest story that I can't wrap my head around. Okay, but what happened is that he he broke away from the pack, just like scholars need to do. And what happened? He was condemned, rejected, and then yeah. see, but. Many, many years later, now you have the opposite. People eventually mm -hmm. start to realize, hold it here, he was way ahead of his time. Well, this has happened yeah. over and over and over all through history. But what I'm trying to say, these scholars are unwilling to take any kind of risk. You see that? Yeah, that, and that's frustrating. 
because there's a there's I mean I don't want to call it a market, but there's a there is a, there like there's people that want answers. Like and if uh, it's, it's coming back to the age old question: Is it worse to to know and not tell, or to not know? Well, I've, I've, you heard me talk about this over and over and over again. Can we please have a discussion, whatever your views may be, whether or not the spirit of man is created? Mm-hmm. Can we do that? Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier when we were talking about something else. Can we do that for one? Can we just one time? Yeah. No. Look at the evidence that God has blocked the minds of his own people systematically is all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's like under every other rock, but no one's looking. Why? I already told you their mind is blocked. See, if your mind is blocked, you don't think there's anything to look for, so you don't look. There you go. There, you know, and it's funny. Every time you every time you say this, I cannot help but think from that period between Malachi and Matthew, where everybody was just convinced that we have reached the apex. This is how it's going to be forever. And nobody saw it coming. Yeah. Like there's very few people that, that like that, you know, recognized it for what it was. And it's a very, very few people. Uh, I mean, like the, the guy that held Jesus in the temple, um, which that came through divine revelation, right? You know, the, um, the Magi, I guess you could make that argument. Um, but like nobody saw it coming. Well, the common state of man when it comes to spirituality, is blindness. Let's well, okay, that's, that's what I wanted to ask you. Nothing's was changed. it Was it that they were not looking for it, that they couldn't look for it, that they were just comfortable being the, the way it was? I'm going to tell you like, like it is, and that the Christian brain can't process this. God was preventing them from doing it. He was simply okay. holding the gift. That's what he does. Now, let's, let's, take a, let's go way, way back to Israel. Most of Israel was contained at one time uh, in Egypt. Not all of them, but most of them. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were blind. Did they, have, did they see Moses coming? Moses no. came completely out of the blue. Same thing with Elijah. Yeah. Elijah was like a comet across the night sky. Like, what is this? Where did he come from? God hid Elijah, didn't he? Did he also yeah. hide Moses? Did he yeah. hide David? Yeah. He also yeah, hid John the Baptist. There was a time yeah. where people, see, eventually John the Baptist became relatively popular. I'm talking about before that. Mm-hmm. Out in the wilderness all by himself. Eventually God brought people to him. You see, you don't have to strive. God doesn't. Mm-hmm. God has a mission, and it doesn't rely on the obedience of the creature. It's going to happen. Anyway, he didn't have a backup of Apostle Paul. Yeah, that's a, see, that's one of my favorite things is that there was not a backup baby in a basket floating down the river. There wasn't, in case a crocodile got the first one, there wasn't a backup. That was the plan. There's never any backups. But look at man, no he's frail, and he's unreliable, but God doesn't need backups because, you know why? Because God can't fail, and God can do right. whatever he wants There's to. There's no need for a backup. He can do whatever he wants to, whenever he wants to, through anything. Yeah. He did yeah, exactly that, what he wanted to do through Balaam. He did the same thing through Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. What he wanted was rebellion so he could create a drama to illustrate 
something, and the purpose of the drama is always the same thing, glorify God. And the details that, you know, like you just mentioned Pharaoh, like you said, I, I, I just left off, I'm in the Jacob Esau, and then Joseph's about to come up, and like the details in that, like sending Joseph in there, to eventually, that's, I'm sure that's where some of Pharaoh's, the, the Pharaoh with Moses' wealth came from, was from Joseph. Let's talk about this real quick, show you how confused Christians are, how simple their minds are. Okay? Is it true or is it not true in the Bible that it says that God hardened his heart? Mm-hmm. But it also says that Pharaoh hardened his heart as well. Mm-hmm. So which one do Christians emphasize unless they're monarchists? Well, they're always putting it on Pharaoh that he's okay. his doing. Let's stop and think about something here. Okay? Uh, which one was the... You have what's called a deterministic cause... You also have a term called a prevenient cause. Prevenient prevenient? cause. Prevenient. It goes beforehand. Okay. You have a succession of causes. Okay. So which cause was prevenient? God or Pharaoh? God set it up way in advance, I would think. Well, sure, by predestination. It actually, predestination has to do with decree according to scripture, okay? okay? God decrees something, then it's predestined. Anyway, uh, when God hardened his heart, that he did that first. Forget about okay. predestination. Yeah, it was predestined, but God did it first in history, in time, within the context of time. Mm-hmm. Okay? Predestination has to do with anything, any of these things. Have, it, has to do with, it has to do with prehistory. So during the course of history, he hardened... Pharaoh's heart. Mm-hmm. First. Remember that God can't fail, right? Like most, right. Christians, most Christians believe he can, okay? <laughs> and then what, yeah. what did, now what did God want? Do you think that God is engaged on a fool's errand? No. No. Do you think when God hardened his heart, this is how simple it is, do you think that he wanted his heart to be hardened? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you understand that God can't fail, and God's never engaged on a fool's errand. In other words, he tries to do something, but he, he can't actually accomplish it, or it's not actually going to happen. No. It only appears that way to a simple mind reading the Bible, okay? Because, see, most Christians believe they can resist the will of God. Well, yes, you can, but not when God doesn't want you to. Right. That's what Paul's talking about in Romans 9.19. Okay, so yes, he wanted Pharaoh's heart to be hard. Do you think that God would be able to do that? Succeed? Yeah. yeah. So, what do you think it means when Pharaoh said he hardened his heart? <laughs> he did exactly what God wanted him to do. Right. But see, the synergists emphasize that, oh, it was a free will of Pharaoh, and they de-emphasize what God did. They mm-hmm. emphasize the little man, the little creature. Right. Uh, something straight. The creature can never impede or obstruct the will of God. It's omnip- he's omnipotent. Mm-hmm. But if you look at history as a blind person, it looks like this is happening over and over again. Mm-hmm. People actually believe, we call them Christians, that God is, God's will is constantly being obstructed by the puny will of man. They don't say puny Yeah, will. that's the whole, like, we're on pins and needles that God might mess up. And then God has to constantly, like every second, 
come up with a different plan. He can do that because yeah. he's God. So he's constantly altering his plan based on the will of the creature. This is what they – did you hear what I just said? This is what most Christians believe. No, I know, I know exactly what you mean. That's like the, that's, uh, like I said, that's like being on pins and needles that God might lose. Like, seriously? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so no? ultimately, no matter what God plans, who determines the success of God's plan? God or, or uh, God does. The well, yeah. they don't believe that. They believe, obviously, based on what you said, that the creature does. Hmm. They believe that God responds to the creature. That's what they believe. And the reason they believe that is because, well, they have different beliefs. You know, God loves us so much that he would never interfere with your freedom and kind of talk, you know. Right. And we do believe in freedom. There's right. limited freedom, okay? God, yeah, that, like, and, I, and I, I've, I've often thought about that. Like, like, what degree of freedom is there? We don't know. And yeah, and and so it's like you ultimately end up making stupid examples. Like I'm sitting on my back porch facing the west. Is it my will to turn and face the south, or was that predestined? It has, <laughs> you know. Uh, with that, we wouldn't know. But sometimes. Uh, no, I know. I'm just saying. I'm just using that as a, like a crude example. It's like, is it is it little things like that, or is it like what shirt well, I'm going to wear tomorrow? Or it, I can tell you that if it's linked with something important, even though it's something small, it could still be linked with something important. But if it is, then that is determined by God too, even though it appears right. significant. Right. But it's I would like say that, in most instances, instances that it's probably not because it's not significant. But if it's linked with something significant, kind of like the dominoes. Right. That's what I was going to say. That's that catalyst effect. If it's that, if it's that one thing that determines this outcome, then yes, it's linked to God. Mm-hmm. He's that he's that catalyst that you know willed it to be, and so be it. Yeah. Well, I should get going here because I got to do some shopping. I really hope this recording works because um, they actually fail a lot of my phone. It records my voice, but it doesn't record the other guy. And actually, I really don't want to do this too much anymore. I want to get the other wait, guy. Wait, it doesn't record my end. Oh, are you recording it? No, 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 no. I thought you just said that it only is recording, like your phone doesn't record both ends of the conversation? It's, it's hit and miss. Uh, there's been oh, really? some really classic podcasts that have been destroyed um, because it didn't record the other guy's voice. And uh, so, I wonder if that has something to do with your headphone situation. No, I actually think it has to do with uh, my phone not having enough, enough free space. And I just, I, just, I just did an update. Uh-oh, this is not good. I just did an update. And uh, I didn't have enough room on my phone, so uh, I just put Remind Me later a couple times. And I finally updated, but didn't have enough room, so I had to get some stuff off of my phone. And I was able to do the update, but hold it here. How much space does my phone have now? But I'm not certain it's because of that. But um, well, You said what kind of phone you have, but tell me again. I forgot what it, Samson what, what S, it was. Samson S, Galaxy S7. S7. I'm going to – when we hang up, I'm going to look and see if that has expandable um, – memory because if it does your days of having space problems are over you, you know something it does have expandable memory because it has a little one i forget i don't know what they're called but the sd card yeah but i don't have yeah. that but it has it, we need to get you like a 256 gig sd card and you'll like you can carry all of your audio you've ever recorded on your phone well just for the record uh chuck notified me that i mean he's paying 
we'll probably just come out and talk about numbers and money and stuff like that. But he's, you know, he's paying. Uh, he doesn't have a problem with it. I think he would want people to know. But he's paying two fifty. He was the one. I lived in a shared room. I didn't even say I wasn't trying to get out of a shared room. I was willing, you know, to actually live at that level. It's very lowly. I couldn't do a podcast if somebody came up in the room. Mm-hmm. Did I need to sing, uh, you know, out of the show? I was pleading for money. Uh, it wouldn't be wrong to do it. It'd be would prove that I didn't even say anything. But on those older podcasts, uh, back in 2015, those are the days of the beeping phone, aren't they? Yep, I had a house. <laughs> Why didn't you have a cell phone? Yeah, I remember the phone that would start beeping when it was about to die, and you'd have to switch. But sometimes I would say, you know, I have to go. I have to end the show because because the guy wants the phone. Other times mm-hmm. I would. Um, shift i would have to move everything down in the kitchen I, i'm talking about i'm actually moving the desktop computer down in the kitchen because my roommate mm-hmm. didn't go to sleep but anyway a chuck brought up that um he's paying everything for this phone he wants me to talk about on the show i said let's both talk about it he wants someone to take up the paying for the phone instead of him because he says that I forget how much he said. It's a lot of money each month. So um, anyway, well, the good thing about this show is like it's about the show. I'm I, I was telling Chuck the other day. I don't I I didn't at all want you or anybody to think that I've abandoned. I'm I'm nearing the completion of my mission to get in really good shape, uh-huh. and uh, I'm almost there. Um, it's it's funny because now like people I see like can't just can't believe it. Um, but I've been going. Re- I haven't been sitting on my can. I've been going really 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 hard, uh, and I'm I'm, I'm about there. Um, and then once once I get there, then I can go into maintain mode, which is going to free up a ton of time um, where I can get back on a normal schedule and hopefully if you want to get back to doing like Saturday night deals and stuff like that, but, uh, it's, it's, it's been exhausting. I I love, I love it. I've had, I've never would have thought I would have thought this would have been fun, but it's been like a drive, I guess. Um, but I'm almost there. Well, you're actually contributing, uh, to the uh, community when you do this. Um, the people need to hear this kind of stuff. They're not hearing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's about I don't know it's the most stimulating. Anything else to me is just mundane. Like like I said, it's like the makes the week whenever I update the podcast and there's an episode. Uh, anyway, you know, in Jay Dyer, there's no theological creativity. Let's let's get something straight here. Unless he no. abandons his own position, then then he's just going to. It's called a group belief system. Okay, defense mm-hmm. support. We used to defend the old fort, and now he's in a different fort. This is not theological creativity, and also admitted that he was wrong. You have to. So that has to do with his discernment skills. Before, he was defending that, and now he's saying, well, I, you know, the old belief is all wrong, and this is, this, you've got to trust me this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why, why should we? And this is the got third dis- time? Through, is guess. it true or is it not that he's deceived twice before in a major way? Before yeah, that, that's what I was just trying to figure out. I think this is the third time, the third stop. And what, what do you hear me say on the show? What do I say? I said they're all wrong. Yeah. 
And that Which makes sense. sense. They go, what? See, everybody yeah. assumes that there must be one group that has the truth. Doesn't everybody assume that? Yeah. You can't use the Bible to prove that Christianity is the one true religion. It doesn't hold up. Nobody holds that. There is no group that holds up to this apostolic standard. Yeah. It's so simple. I have to keep saying it over and over again. I've never heard anybody say it. Apostolic orthodoxy had to do with <clears throat> obeying uh, apostolic authority, which was on the same level. We're talking about a command or a tradition. Mm -hmm. Just focus on tradition. Eastern Church likes to talk about tradition. So on the same authority, it says this twice, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3, is a written text. That's what the Bible says. That is first century orthodoxy. What orthodox means correct, correct or right yeah. belief. Okay? Mm -hmm. Here's the question that sinks everybody. This is why you never hear it. Do we have this information today? Uh, no. It's gone. So, yeah. Again, is that how they established orthodoxy in the first century? Yes. And is it a, just my opinion or a theory? No, it's stated twice in Scripture. The information is gone. Remember what we said earlier about what happens when things become lost? And then Dave says we're under a corporate judgment, just like Israel was before the apostolic era. And you get the deer mm -hmm. in the headlights look because I'm the only one saying it. That's what mm -hmm. the prophet says, don't they? Yeah. Did you know what the prophets did? They didn't use the word corporate judgment. When they came out and accused Israel at the level that they did, and only the remnant responded, they were communicating, you're under a corporate judgment, all of you. Mm -hmm. And so who responded? The remnant. <clears throat> yeah, as I was going to say, that's the like minority. the most unpopular opinion. <laughs> you can give a large group of people is that you're doing it wrong. Well, what do you have today? Yeah. See, the, man of na the nature of man doesn't change. It hasn't changed yet, but what's important, it's not static. There's nothing that's static. Everything is in a state of flux. Everything is cyclical. They mm -hmm. want to de-emphasize that. Man has deteriorated. We're inferior. Christians are so far gone. They like to poke fun at the Pharisees, disciples, ancient Israelites. They were all superior to us. Yeah. Judas would make a better Christian than most Christians. You could just ignore what he did later. Mm -hmm. He was stealing. There's Christians all across America that are stealing pencils and erasers from work and justifying it all because that's just way. We can justify anything, you know. Um, <clears throat> God will forgive me so I can divorce my wife. This is their belief system. Mm -hmm. I mean, they actually do believe that. That's their belief system. It's called cheap grace, right? <clears throat> I, I, you brought it up, or y'all talked about it in that last show, but you gotta, you gotta promise me sometime when you get time, you've got to revisit Idiocracy. That's Idiocracy, the movie. Yeah, that when that movie came out, I don't know how I came across it, but I watched it, and it was, you know, uh, it, it was just one of those things where it struck me. This isn't like anything I've ever seen. And it, it, it's shockingly accurate. Is that's why it's funny. 
Well, I believe it's a conspiracy. You know, I think it's deliberate predictive programming. I could yeah, be wrong, that's, 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 though. Yeah, so the guy is like the most average person in modern day, and you catapult him, I think it's like 500 years into the future, and he's like beyond genius level. You know, that's just the premise of the movie. Um, because he, because everybody just kept getting stupider and stupider and stupid, you know, generationally. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's like a mouth breather in our time now. And you throw him into the future 500 years and he's solving all the world problems. And it's just, I don't know. It just struck a chord with me, uh, how accurate yeah. it was for a comedy. But well, anyway, well. All right, I'm gonna get in and take a shower. Uh, holler, holler at me. I like, I like this. Yeah, let's do more of it. See, we, all right. th- this is not a room too. Well, hold it here. This is ah, uh, this is gonna be something have... real stupid, so it can make it. Uh, <laughs> this is room one quality, but I don't feel comfortable about naming names and stuff like that. That's fine. Um, so I guess it's probably gonna end up in room two. Well, that's, now that's, that's assuming fine. that it, you know, uh, that it, that the recording works. And uh, I tell you what, if that recording doesn't work, I'm going to turn it into a good thing. I've already said this before. I don't want, like, when you talk to me, we never know what's going to happen. We haven't done a podcast spontaneously in a long time, so we just assume it's going to be a convo to see any time, which happened today, it can be podcast material. But you got to back it up at your end. That's the thing. Just, just push it anyway. It's not hard. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't, I don't want no, no, it's 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 funny how it worked out because, like I said, I was listening to that podcast and you like you were hitting on the stuff that I've been thinking of, but you were just using the terms and like, like the Pelagianism and mm-hmm. Monergism and Synergism, and I'm like every time I was at a stoplight, I would Google and I was like, oh yeah, that is that is what I imagined it to be. I just didn't know that was the word. I need to do a vocab test on myself now. And also, um. You should just automatically record it at your end even if I don't say anything. And it's a shame that I have to use a free program because yours always work and mine doesn't because it's free. Mm-hmm. But uh, people don't realize they've lost a lot of audio because I'm not financially supported enough. That's one thing right there. I haven't even said anything at all. I shouldn't have mm-hmm. these free programs where I'm losing all this quality audio. Mm-hmm. But that's what happened. I will. We'll have to. Uh, I'll 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 call Chuck tomorrow and we'll get the ball rolling and try to figure something out on all that. Well, the first thing we have to do, he wants some um, someone to take over the cell phone stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, I actually don't want you to do that. If you're thinking of that, I, I want someone else to do it. Well, we'll we'll just we'll like I said, don't we gotta worry, talk. Don't, don't even we got to come together and talk about it to get the ball moving some direction. Uh-huh. Um. You, you're in a situation right now because you actually told me if I get in trouble, I feel comfortable going to you and asking for help. Okay. That's fine with me. But if you start uh, paying for the phone, then you're not. I don't want you to think yeah. that I'm I'm just like straight away from the from the pack or the flock or whatever. I'm I'm still here. <laughs> uh, it's just I, I like I said I'm taking care of things on my end physically. And I'm like I said, I'm not far from being there. I'm thankful that it's all went as well as it has. Man, uh-huh. it's been a lot. It's been a lot of work. I got lots. I've, I've got like constant blisters on my feet. Um, from what, from walking so much, I'm wearing shoes out faster than I like to buy them. Um, walking and jogging. And it's, it's the most bizarre thing, Dave. I mean, um, 
it's a, it's like been like a transformation and it's really kicked in overdrive in the past, I don't know, month and a half. It's like all of a sudden it's just like, boom, things are bulging and, um, like I can't pass the pull-up bar without busting out about 15 pull-ups and then jogging off to the next pull-up bar. I mean, and it's just one of them things where it's like, I never in my life would have thought this would have been the case. Um, working out and veins are bulging and like I said, I'm getting lumpy. It's kind of funny um, talking about running. Uh, mm-hmm. For the first time ever, I, you know, I used to be a long distance runner in high school. I went to state yeah. and, um, <clears throat> But I've never actually read about long distance running, and I lost interest it right away because um, I've never had a climber's, uh, or excuse me, a runner's mindset. I always had a climber's mindset. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, I it could say a lot about that, but I, about how health, running is unhealthy for you unless you do it right. You have to run on a soft, soft surface. Yeah. But um, I that's I'm what I'm doing lately. I've been researching running, and the last couple of days I'm trying to figure who's my favorite athlete of all time. And it may just be this guy that went to Washington state, uh, way back. Well, he went to Rogers high school in Spokane in the early sixties. But some people think he's the greatest high school runner of all time. Mm. He beat Prefontaine twice. Nobody else did that. In college. Mm. Uh, Within, I forget the exact context, but uh, I don't want to make it sound like I'm off running five k's or whatever. I'm running like a mile and a half, and then walking four and a half. <laughs> like it's not, I'm not like running extended, extended periods. Uh, I'm not really built to be a runner. You want me, you want me to blow you away? What's that? This guy claims that his far his name is Jerry with a G. Mm-hmm. Jerry Lindgren. He claimed that he ran up to 88 miles a day as far back as even high school. He used to run. He'd run like three times a day sometimes, and he would run and sleep and then eat and run and sleep and eat. That's insane. Some people say lying. It's (laughs) a good week for me if I go like, I don't know, probably like 70 two to seven and that's 72 to 75 miles and that's like walking jogging and then just like daily steps that like for work or whatever like all compiled together well i have personal experience that road running is bad for you you can look at the career of mary decker most people don't she's one of the greatest american runners ever they used to call her little mary decker when she was uh, 14 when she was 14 she was one of the best runners in the world uh, but too, too too much, too early, and uh, she had injuries the rest of her life. I've always heard, and I don't know if this is a myth or not, but uh, running isn't particularly great for women for, like, their mysterious lady parts. I don't uh, – that That's could be true. Of... But anyway, I have personal experience that it can be harmful. I'm talking about on a hard, uneven service. Oh, uh, I ask you something. Just a second. I used to go on these 10-mile road runs on a regular basis with a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And I had all these knee problems and back problems. Guess what happened to the knee problems and the back problems? They went away when I stopped running. Did they? I, you know, last time I had back problems? High school. What does that tell uh, you about yeah. road running? It's really jarring. Yeah, and yeah. our shoes were inferior back then, too. Yeah. 
Okay, I'll I'll ask you this, and then I'll let you go. Whenever you used to run a lot, did and, and I mean, obviously, I'm sure you were sweating, or I don't know. Maybe Can I say one more thing? Yeah. I was in cross country. I didn't, uh, I liked it because the camaraderie, but I, I actually, did, I didn't realize that I didn't like it, but I actually didn't because uh, I didn't like running that long. I was a half miler because I had foot speed, so I was on the mile relay. So the quarter mile is a long sprint. That's what you have in a mile relay. You've got four guys running a quarter mile. Mm-hmm. I, I had enough leg speed. What killed me is I broke the, uh, we had a lot of good high jumpers. They came through middle school, and then I came along and I uh, I broke the record uh, in middle school. Hmm. So they were all over me recruiting me, you know. But uh, I had that, I still had that high jumper mindset. The high jumpers are the laziest athletes in track and field, and I had that mindset. We used to just lay around on the pit mm-hmm. and just do diddly squat. <clears throat> Mm. It was fun, you know. And then uh, I turned out for cross country when I was a sophomore. This is not true. This is a funny story, okay? I was reading about all these athletes, like at Oregon and stuff like that. And um, even back then, they had, this is way back when, they had, I don't think they do this anymore. They would have teams that actually didn't commit. Uh, this is cross country. They didn't uh, compete face to face. They would go over a comparable course and then they would um, turn the times in to each other. T- mail the times in to each other. Huh. When I was in eighth grade, this was even in the annual in middle school. <laughs> this is so funny, junior high, you know. It actually says we were number one in the nation. Oh. So <laughs> at one time. I think it's kind of a joke, but it was, it was official according to the staff, but I was on the number one cross country team in the nation. So I, I forgot about that. <laughs> Imagine forget huh. about that. Like I said, I think it's kind of a joke anyway, <clears throat> but I had that high jump mentality and I just was lazy and I didn't like, uh, I was the opposite of Steve Prefontaine. See what I'm doing. I'm looking at these guys and I'm going, these guys, they were gut runners. I was not a gut runner. I was a half miler. And even when my coach put me in the half mile, I, I dogged it because I, I didn't even take it seriously. And I think he yelled at me or something like that. He definitely yelled at me one time in the mile because I dogged the mile. I wasn't trying that hard mm. because I had to run the half mile. I was going to run that hard, you know. I didn't like being thrown in the mile. So he yelled at me, and then um, <clears throat> the next time he put me in the mile, I ran a 436. Jeez. Which is pretty darn good. That was the only time I really tried to run hard in the mile. I ran a 436. <laughs> that makes my side hurt. <laughs> that was time. I was pretty talented. But um, the main thing that held me back was I didn't know anything about nutrition whatsoever. And I was actually eating pastries for lunch. Yeah. Throwing up in these, <clears throat> throwing up in the, uh, in the uh, workouts. And we actually knew it was the pastries. And I still didn't do anything about it. <laughs> Well, my friend was eating a good lunch that his mother prepared. My mother gave me, uh, <laughs> bless her heart, she gave me money to, this is back in 1975. And back then, it was kind of, an, I don't know, experiment. In the cafeterias, they didn't have um, 
fresh food anymore. It was all machines. Everything was machines out of a package. Mm. And so she'd give me money, and what do I do? I'd buy milk and pastries and throw up. That's how dumb I was. Now, yeah, I don't know about kids that, milk before a hard run. <laughs> these other kids that were able to beat me in the half mile, they uh, were probably on a better diet. That's, that's, yeah. You know, that's five seconds right there. So. Hmm. Well, I, did you ever, did, like, whenever you would run or whatever distance and you're sweating profusely or somewhat profusely, and then you finish, and and your sweat dries. Did you ever have salt on? Oh, like it looked like table salt sprinkled all over you on your skin. Ah, uh, not too much. Um, the I, reason that happens is because thing. people are not drinking enough water. I just want to say one more thing before I go on. Is that uh, my coach just threw me in the half mile, and um, One of the first times I ran it seriously, I broke the junior record. And the guy that I ran against was one of the greatest athletes, track and field athletes ever in Washington State. To this day, he's, he was a decathlete, and he's the only guy that I know of that could literally do any event. I've never heard anybody that can do that. Mm. Um, he, could, he, he was really good in the 100-yard dash, but he could run the two-mile. He could throw. He could... Uh, I don't know about pole vault, though. Oh, I'm sure he could do it if he tried. That's, mm. They threw him in the uh, in my event, which actually wasn't my event because I was just kind of throwing. But when I ran against him, I actually tried to pass. I passed him, and he kind of looked at me like. <sighs> then he passed me at the very end, but I broke the junior record. So I had talent, you know, but I wasn't, yeah. a gut, I wasn't a gut runner. See, if you learn about Jerry Lindgren, this guy's unbelievable. <clears throat> I don't want to go with you right now, but, um, there's some people that are just built to run. I'm not, <laughs> I'm a, I'm, I, I well, don't know. I not at all. Yeah. He, he got, he got, he actually got kicked off. I don't know, basketball, football, Baseball, I don't know, whatever he tried out for. And he, then he tried that cross country. He was the worst. And they should make fun of him. And he went to the Olympics when he was 18 years old. What in the heck wow. happened? It all takes place in the mind. That's what makes distance running different. Um, he proved that there's, the body has tremendous capacity that's untapped. It is all, I mean, it is 100% between your ears. And I never tapped into it. The reason I know that, because there was one race when I was a senior in cross country. For one race, I was really, really good. How did that happen? Yeah. Uh, and then the other ones, that just, it just didn't happen for some reason. Mm. It was because of my mind. I didn't, like, uh, I didn't like that ongoing pain. See, I would start off too slow. Jerry Lindgren and, and Prefontaine, they, they, did, they just, they would sprint right away. Mm -hmm. Like the first quarter mile or first mile is unbelievable times. Jerry Lindgren claimed that he used to go out on a 10-mile run 
Uh, people think he's delusional or lying. And he'd run a 408 mile on the first mile. Then Jeez. gut it out for the next nine miles. <laughs> Jeez. Unbelievable. This is insane. Hmm. You should see what this guy looks like. <clears throat> he's only 5'6". Little skinny guy. Hmm. Unbelievable. But it's very inspirational. So it, it's inspired me lately, you know. Well, it is that that this that kind of goes back to that, like how how much stress are you willing to put on yourself, you know? I wasn't willing to do it. I was in track because the um, I could put up with it in the half mile, and you know the pain. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like doing it for a, a long period. So I actually never knew that. I never analyzed myself. I realized it later, you know. Mm. So anyway, I'm going to let you go, Dustin. All right. I'll holler at you later. Okay. Take care now. Thank you, bud. Bye. Bye.